Yeah, keep, keep an, an eye, eye on it. it. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Is my eyes deceiving me? Bowl after bowl till he's sick. This is serious. I called the police. That guy's probably a dancer. I know you're half retarded. You know, you gotta stop calling the cops, dude. You're acting like a little child, okay? There's many people coming. That's right. So many people. And they're all coming into the bowl. Coming into the bowl for another Tuesday. Token Tuesday. And uh, yeah, you're in the right spot. You're not lost. You are in the bowl for episode 109 on 10 21 That's October 19th. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf, Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And we are finally back. Although, I say finally, it feels like we just were sitting down like two days ago. Yeah. Doing your birthday episode. It really does feel like just yesterday when we were uh, up in uh, FEMA region. What is that one? It's got to be a small number. I didn't even look up the FEMA region. <laughs> back in Taxachusetts. Yeah. A week ago today. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun, and you, uh, you know, take time off from your gig work <laughs> to party. Yeah, no doubt. In mass for my birthday. God, we had a great goddamn time too. We did. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that it's over. They and had a great goddamn time. There it is. You know There's the Joe. the bowl is. Uh, we put it together really quick because we just got back. To Kansas City last night. And we we took our whole damn setup when we went up there. <laughs> yes, our mobile setup was our actual setup in a laptop. Yeah, basically we were just plugging everything into a laptop instead of plugging it into so th- the uh, Bull After Bull War Station here. Yeah. Not that much different. No. Uh, down a pop guard base. It's around. Surely it's around. Yeah, it's probably up in that fucking attic. Don't say that. Back in Massachusetts? Yeah. In my grandparents' place? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't seen it, so... <laughs> well, I'll have I'll uh, send an alert and have someone look out for it, because uh, maybe it got left behind. But that seems like a weird thing to leave behind. Another weird thing to leave behind is your wedding ring, but <laughs> you didn't alert me that the kids <laughs> stole mine. I don't know. I don't know how I didn't notice, but... Well, you know, at this point in our lives, I'm used to seeing the kids playing with your jewelry... And you just, like, them asking, hey, Dad, can I play with your jewelry? And you're like, yeah. And you hand it to them, and then they play with it. So when I saw the four-year-old balancing the ring on her nose and pretending to be a seal, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, hey, make sure you give that back to Dad when you're done. And I said that out loud. And uh, apparently she didn't. Yeah. And, And apparently you didn't even know that the ring was gone. Nope. Whoops. So now we're not married, no. <laughs> according to the kids. <laughs> yeah. She was pretty upset with herself that she misplaced it. Well, hopefully, maybe it's at Abel Kirby's and he finds it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Last place it was seen. Oh, well. But, uh, yeah, these, these things happen. What are you going to do? Um, Watch out for the children around your things. I guess. 
That seems uh seems there seems like there has to be a different solution though. Don't take your ring off. Get I a tattooed ring. They took it off with me. Tattooed Tat- ring back. Can't lose that one. I'm always had like I got my it's like the worst spot for my eczema is on that friggin' ring finger anyway. Yeah. I don't know. There's really it's no solution. Right. Just buy another ring. It's just a ring, right? It's just a ring. Just a thing. Just a thing. That's right. Ain't no thing but a wedding ring. Well, hey, <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, not only do I not speak Russian, but this is a value for value podcast. And uh, what does that mean? That means we produce this thing. Every week we're throwing a new bowl at you. Sometimes we like to sneak in some bowls with buds episodes whenever we can get a chance in our crazy lives to sit down with a bud and talk and do an interview. We put those shows out at bullswithbuds.com, but we put them all out on the same RSS feed. We call it Bowl After Bowl. It's a little show. It's value for value. So we try to put value in the show. We try to make the show fun. We try to make the show entertaining. You do actually try to make the show informative. And uh, we just ask, hey, you know, if you got anything out of it, if you found value in it, could you uh, give some back to us? We call it not being a mooch. Basically, the uh, first rule of smoking uh, applies here. First rule of being a smoker is it's bad manners to keep bumming all the damn time. And so we just ask that you send that uh, value back, whether it be in clips, whether it be in voicemails. In fact, we do a new topic every week. The first time I ever, what is it? What is it this week? First time I ever visited a spook house directly lifted uh, from Rick right in Joplin. That's right. Uh, He used the term spook house and uh, thought that was a cute term. So we just took it. That's the FTIE this week. Trying to have spooky themed uh, F-ties this week. Uh, so yeah, all you can uh, weigh in on your first time you ever visited a spook house. All you got to do is pick up your phone and call eight one six six zero seven three six six three, and the play of voice will That's right. Call in right now. Leave a voicemail. You won't regret it. But, you know, some people are voice shy. Did you know that? I've heard. So if you're voice shy, you can just text the uh, bowl line, and we'll read it in our voices. Actually, I'll read it in my voice because I can read <laughs> it. Uh, and that'll be uh, another way you can get it in without uh, necessarily having to talk out loud, if that's not your thing. Uh, lots of ways to contribute. You can just contribute by uh, typing nonsense in the bowl. We call it the bowl. It's our bowl chat. It's our IRC chat room on zero node. Uh, if you go to bullafterbull.com, click on Listen Live, there's a link where you can come into the bowl via the Kiwi IRC client, or you can use your own IRC client and plug it in. If you're already in the No Agenda stream, you just have to add a channel. Hashtag bullafterbull gets you right there. It's the easiest way. What do you say? Uh, we like to thank all of our people that help us produce a show at the beginning, right before we do anything else. So it's right up front, so you get credit. So we thank you, we love you, and uh, we... we uh, don't want your contributions to go unnoticed. And of course, show after show, bowl after bowl, that is going to be no debit for giving us the ice cast stream that uh, you're listening to us Woo! live on. Thanks, and, no debit. Uh, and also, Sir Bimrose, Ryan Bimrose, for getting us onto the No Agenda stream. If you're listening on the No Agenda stream out there in No Agenda Nation, we usually follow uh, DH Unplug every Tuesday, right around about 9 p.m. Uh, Central Time. And uh, this week they took the week off, so we're just kind of sliding in there with uh, nobody to warm you up, but that's all right. That's all right. Same uh, same time, same channel, same station, same streams, all that good stuff. 
And we do also have some producers, those who send us uh, fun internet monies or, uh, what do you call it? Cuck bucks is just so played out. I don't know what I would call them. We've got to come up with a clever name for the PayPal monies. But yeah, sending us dollars and cents over there at the PayPal or uh, streaming us sats on the Podcasting 2.0 um, infrastructure, I guess you'd say. You know, before the show, I was trying to get it, all the boostograms out because I still don't have like an automated way to look at the boostograms. I'm, I'm scrolling through a, I'm scrolling through a, a an Excel spreadsheet and pulling out these custom records. It's a string. It's a base sixty four encoded string, and I'm just pasting it in a decoder like a caveman. And uh, this week, I'll be trying to come up with a better, better plan. But uh, I'm looking through all these boostograms, and uh, it turns out they're all for uh, Ablecraft. Ah. The podcast I do with Abel Kirby. All that boost bait. All the boost bait really got them boosting over there at, uh, I know we had Cotton Gin boostogram, we had had a Booberry boostogram. We did have a boost from Harv Hat, I know for sure, because he chimed in from the bowl earlier. So Harv Hat, thank you for your boosts. Yeah, thanks Harv Hat. Got a 420 boost in there. We had had around... Uh, 30,000 sats uh, streamed to the bowl cool. in the past week. Fiat fun coupons, Fun Boy says. I like that. I like that. I've heard that one. Uh, I was trying to remember that one. That's, that's a clever one. Fiat fun coupons. Uh, we do have some Fiat fun coupons coming in, uh, including our top executive producer for 33 bucks. Uh, and that's Joe Rogan's spleen. Oh, thanks, Joe Rogan's Spleen. You can find him on No Agenda Social at Joe Rogan's Spleen. There are two S's in that, so it's like capital J for Joe, capital R, Rogan's, capital S, Spleen. J-O-E-R-O-G-A-N-S-S-P-L-E-E-N. 33 bucks, thank you, my man. Appreciate it. I'm sure I can, uh... I'm a supporter of human beings! Yes. Bing-bing-bing-bings! Give you a Joe Rogan. Give you a little Joe Rogan. Bings! Give you a Joe Rogan bang for that. Thank you! 33 bings. Uh, next up, C-Dubs came in with his monthly donation of 420. All right. Thanks, C-Dubs. Thank you, C-Dubs. Um, I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. Being baked. And our friend, the Reverend Cyber Trucker, also came in with a donation. His note says, Rev here, have a donation. All right. Thanks, yeah, Rev. I got something for you, Rev. Uh, somewhere. I'm, I'm, it's, it's tough to find all of these, man. I'm going to give you this joint, nigga. Here's a joint. All right. Here's a joint. Hit it. And uh, I'm just going to refresh the page because you never know. Some people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a surprise in the bowl. We do have a surprise in the bowl. Yes, that, that wraps our Fiat Fun coupons. But uh, What could it be? We do. We have a, we have a complete surprise that came in via the mail. And uh, Lorian, it was all she could, all she could do to wait to open it until just now, so. So I'm opening it right now. Why did she open it? She's ripping it up. All right, I see some tea. This is from the lovely Quirk S, also, I should say. Quirk S. Thank you, Quirk S. I'm still ripping into it. But I see some tea, and I am excited, because I'm the tea lady here in this house. Oh, yeah. The tea tea lady. Discover the best galaxy of teas. The galaxy of teas. Oh, yeah, some rebos. Earl Grey. What else have we got? This is such a goodie bag. Oh, here's a card. 
card first. Here it is. Oh my gosh, lovely violets on this card. Opening up the envelope carefully. Ultraviolets. Should I read the, the card aloud in the bowl? You might as well. Alright. <laughs> my best quirk ass impression. Lorian, hiya babe. I wanted to send these goodies along for you and the fam to enjoy, as I think you will do so at least as much as I have while discovering them over time. I meant this as a birthday gift and to get it to you earlier, so may it be a happy belated goodie box. Thank you for all your warmth, kindness, support, and pure goodness. You are amazing. Love and hugs. Quirkus. Rock on. Thank you. Smoke on. Mwah. 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 Oh, look at this. There are some... Uh, oh, little steepers. Steepers. That's the word. I'm like shaking it around. <laughs> the, the, the thing, you put it in the thing. Wow. <laughs> oh, some washcloths for the little wolf cub. This a little hot so towel good. treatment. Oh, yeah. Sour, chewy fruities. Ooh. Oh, hell yeah. Berry and apple flavors. Spoiling. Oh, my gosh. Spoiling Lori. This was like the perfect. It came in perfectly for my birthday, too, since we were out of town. And it came today yeah, when it came we're back today. in the bowl. Came today, the first day we're back, and a show day. So, Quirkus, you really nailed it. And some argan butter. Oh, man, I'm so spoiled. Thank you, Quirkass. Um, we love you. I don't know. By the way, I'm since we're talking mail, I'm reminded that... Uh, I don't know, if, if Fletch, if you if you have tracking on the candies... Or if that went out yet? Oh or, no! But I'm look. I was uh, the mushroom candies. I don't. I haven't heard yet or seen sight of the mushroom candies yet. I don't know if that's the thing that went out. If it's floating about, I don't know. Uh, and I never remember to text you about it. So now I'm saying it. Right. We're just saying it in the. Bowl. Just saying it. I'm just saying it so I don't have to remember that uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I'm hoping, hoping it's on the way. Uh, the mail is fun. If you uh, want to mail something to the bowl, you can contact us on the back channels. No agenda social or uh, or just email Spencer at bowlafterbowl.com. Or Lorian at bowlafterbowl.com. Both will get through to one of me or one of you. You being you, not anyone else. Me? Yeah, you. Oh, yeah. Yes. Woohoo. Uh, another way you can provide value to the show, by the way, um, Streaming sats, of course, newpodcastapps.com. Look for one that says value. There's more popping up every day. Send us a boostagram. Boost. Uh, I'm going to load the boost bucket up, but I really underestimated how much time it would take to reset the studio up. And uh -huh. so there was a couple of things I wanted to do. I wanted to take a couple clips from Podcast 2.0 and play them, but I think I'm just going to send those over to Ablecraft and discuss it there uh, with him. All right. I um, see how it is. Yeah. We do have a new monitor in is. the bowl, though. We do. We have an ultra-wide here. This is pretty cool. It was uh, one of those um, no-box deals at uh, Micro Center. And damn, now I can multitask. I got like two full browser windows up, no problem. And then I, sw I flipped my other one portrait style over here. That was a little Abel Kirby inspiration. That's right. right? That portrait. That's right. Monitor. That's right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? What can I say? Once you get a taste of the Abel Kirby lifestyle, you know, you want to replicate it. Uh, he sent me home with a pedal and, and uh, a MIDI cable, finally. 
So maybe I can uh, integrate his little pedal stomp thing into my podcast oh. setup. But yet again, another thing that uh, I didn't have time to do before <laughs> this show in particular. So another you thing know, to set up. Sometime eventually I'll get it going. Sometime eventually. Yeah. Another way you can support the show that we've come up with, and I'm going to make this more visible uh, in the days to come on the website. Weeks to come, maybe. But you can open a channel to our node. Uh, the bowl after bowl raspy is the best one to do. So, uh, if you go on one ML, you can search bowl after bowl, all one word and two nodes will come up. And the one that says raspy in the alias, that's the one, that's the one you should open a fat old channel to. And that's a way that you can provide us inbound liquidity and you don't even really necessarily have to donate and stream to us through that channel. Uh, but just having a channel open to us will allow other people to stream through your node to us too. So it's just another thing you can do, and we encourage that kind of behavior around here. Also down to open you know, reciprocal balance channels with any kind of podcast or nodes out there, we finished our Ring of Fire. So I'll just, oh. knock, I'll just knock that out during this segment, a little talking about that. The Ring of Fire is now completed. It has been ignited, and... Uh, they talked a bit about that. Well, we talked about it on our last Ablecraft, and they also talked about it on Podcasting 2.0. And I'd love to keep talking about it and keep discussing it because it's something that's kind of, I think, misunderstood uh, and underappreciated at the same time. The Ring of Fire, for those of you who haven't heard any kind of nonsense like this yet, it's a, it's a channel creation strategy. Once you have a, um, a lightning node... You need channels in order to send and receive Satoshis around the Lightning Network. And typically, if you just, by default, open a channel, say uh, say you do what I just asked you to do and open a channel to the bowl after bowl raspy uh, node. You go in, you specify an amount of Satoshis. Let's just say a million Satoshis, just to be, just to keep the concept easy. So you just open a million Satoshi, cha- Satoshi channel to the bull after bull raspy blitz. What that means is you've kind of reserved those million sats and they can be streamed from your node to our node. But boom And that's just a regular channel open. So that channel has one thing it can do, which is move sats to the node, to the, ra- uh, to the bull after bull node. If you do a balanced channel, uh, you can do that in a couple of different ways, but that requires a little bit more cooperation usually um if you don't have cooperation and you want to make just like a donation open and have a balanced channel at the same time what you can do is push sats to the other side as you open so i could open a channel for a million and say push half to the other node that would basically send a lightning payment to the other node that i'm opening to and i just give them that amount of sats then i have a balanced channel because half is on their side half is on my side so at that point that channel can send and receive 500,000 sats in either direction. That's a balanced channel. When you're doing a ring of fire, it's a special strategy to open channels where you get at least three people. It has to be at least a triangle, but uh, six is sort of the sweet spot. Six is the great number for these rings of fire. You open to one another in a circle, and then one guy routes a payment for half of that capacity all the way through to himself. So in the earlier example, when you got a balanced channel and you push half through to the other side, you're just kind of donating those sats. Um, you can ask the other person to send the sats back to you on chain and keep that channel balanced so that it doesn't cost you. It's not like a donation. 
that's something called a trusted swap because it you know it requires some trust on the other end. You got to trust the partner you're opening with in order to pull that off. But uh, in a ring of fire, it requires cooperation of all all the individuals in the ring. You've got to open the channel at the right capacity, the pre uh, agreed upon capacity, and you got to open the channel in the right order. Uh, you got to open to the right person in the right order. And then somebody has to uh, route the payment. The good thing about that is once it's all done, uh, say you're uh, say you're one million sat channel, right, that we've been going with, you just open one of those to one guy, but then you have another guy in the ring opening one of those to you. So really you get two of those channels for the price of one, and they get auto-balanced by somebody else. So for me, it's the uh, it's the best way to open channels because you get the most bang for your buck, you get them all balanced out, and, and then you're good to go. It's nice to also have ch- uh, nodes that are well-connected. Uh, Dave and Adam both have pretty well-connected nodes. Mine is all right. It's decent. Um, probably like third place in connectivity in that particular ring of fire, the podcast ring of fire that we did. Uh, but it's it's a good way for the l- newer nodes that are less connected to get plugged in to the rest of the network. That was Boobery's first two channels were out of this Ring of Fire, for instance, on his node, Thunder uh, Thunder Road. So basically, you're a hop or two away from everybody else's connections, too. In that ring, you kind of gain the connectivity vicariously of all the participants. Oh, by opening those channels. That's right. So the more channels you open, the more connected you are. Yes. Uh, all, all else equal. Um, and then if you open to well-connected nodes, then you're even better connected. Uh, so of course I had some people contact me and say, you know, once you hear about the ring of fire, you're like, they're like, oh, can we add a guy to a ring of fire? Um, the answer to that is no, just because of the nature of how it works. So it's like a one-time thing. We decide the order and then we balance it. Now I love making rings of fire and I'm going to make them periodically. Uh, and so... Other guys were like, Brian of London was like, hey, can I open a channel to the Ring of Fire? Which is like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky question because if you have channels already to any member of that Ring of Fire, then you pretty much already are connected to the Ring of Fire. Huh. But it's also six channels that just, there's nothing special about these channels once they're opened. They're just open and balanced and they exist in the network. Um but they don't act as a separate entity or their own entity. They can route payments in a circular manner, but really there's nothing special about these six channels we made versus, you know, these are just two of my 15 channels that I have on my note, for instance. And there's nothing really special necessarily about the ones in the ring as compared to the ones out of the ring. The only thing really special is how they were set up and created. So it's a good, ch- it's a good channel creation strategy once they're set, everybody's free to make their own fees. And that was another question that uh, Dave and Adam were talking about on Podcasting 2.0. They were like, hey, can we make money on fees now? And the answer to that is, yeah, you can. And I think that there should be more discussion amongst us podcasters with nodes about the perfect strategy to do that and how to set fees uh, in a smart way. There's two different kinds of fees you can set, and you can set them for every channel that you have. One is a called a base rate, and the other is called PPM, that's parts per million. So by default, both of those are one, one SAT. So 
at one base rate, you're getting one sat every time something is routed through that channel. Every time a payment routes, you keep a sat of that payment. And then the PPM uh, is parts per million. So if a million sats go through that channel, you keep one of them. You keep one sat. Those fees are added to whatever payment happens to be going through. So if I'm boostagramming or if I'm sending a lightning payment, say, I want to send a thousand sats to node D, right? And to get to node D, I got to go from my node A through node B, through node C, and then it winds up to D, all right? Okay. So I have to pay, obviously, when I send to B, I don't steal a fee from myself. You also only pay outgoing. So you pay a fee for it to leave the node. So then whatever B's fee is set on his channel with C, I got to pay that to get to C. And then whatever C has set for his channel to D, I got to pay that. So there's three hops, two fees. Whatever his base fee I'm paying, and then the PPM is parts per million. So that comes out in millisatoshi. I don't necessarily pay that maybe. you know, It could be a fraction of a sat in that case. Uh, when we're podcasting, us podcasters, we kind of deal more in micro payments because people are streaming sats per minute. People are boosting smaller numbers, but more frequently, right? So there's a lot of payments going through. So in my opinion, the proper channel fee strategy for us should be a zero base fee and maybe a higher PPM fee. So that you're not charging a sat every single payment that goes through. I mean, some people are streaming three sat payments a minute, you know? And so every time three sats are coming through, you're adding one sat to it. Mm. I mean, that's like a 33% fee. That's pretty high. But with, uh, with the PPM payments, you can raise that a little bit up, but it's not even necessarily going to charge a sat every time. Those three sat payments, you'd have to stream a lot before you hit a sat on the PPMs. So that's, uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit more discussion and probably more question asking and uh, experimentation. But uh, like I was saying on the last Ablecraft 2, you want to hit an equilibrium where you're not losing your ass routing these payments. Because if you have low fees or even no fees, if you have zero fees, then people are just going to route payments through you and unbalance your channels and drain you of your liquidity. And then you're going to have to go rebalance your channels, which costs sats. It costs sats to uh, reorganize and resend those payments. Um, there's a couple of programs out there that can automatically adjust your fees for you and also uh, can smartly rebalance your channels circ uh, where you're paying yourself circularly through a bunch of different channels. And uh, that's that's how you manage those channels over time. You gotta, You want to keep them balanced because then you can send or receive through them. And you want your fees to be in a spot where they're not so high that nobody's going to use them. They're not so low that you're, pay you're paying other people to, to route through your node. There's a sweet spot that we're all looking for. C-Dubs in the chat asks, is that what Loop or Blitz is? So Loop is a tool that uh, you can basically throw sats from on-chain to off-chain. It's not something that I've really had a lot of success using. Uh, for balancing, I use balances satoshis primarily right now which is a command line application you can run it on your node and basically what you do in that is you select an outgoing channel you select an incoming channel you tell it um kind of how many sats that you're willing to pay and the rate you're willing to pay and then it looks for hops and it looks for uh 
it looks for routes to do that. And what you would do is you would pick a channel where you have too much on your side, the balance is off on your side, so you have too much outbound liquidity on a channel, and you send out from that, and then you pick another channel to receive through that has too much inbound liquidity, so you pull to the other side onto your side when you receive the payment. So in the end, you're paying yourself, but it's going to cost you all the fees of, you know, again, each each node that you hop, you're paying whatever the fee is set for that channel. So it's, it's a whole strategy, and that's where um, running a node gets a little bit more crazy, but it also can be part of the it can be part of what keeps the node running is the profits you can make on fees if you do it correctly and when i'm talking profits i'm talking about slivers of sats you know i'm not talking like just money pouring in all the time uh, a a smartly uh, a smartly managed node will basically break even or do like slightly better than break even and that's what we want to do we just want to be able to create a network that routes payments easily that keeps fees uh very affordable and that makes it so we're not paying for everybody else's payments too makes sense depending on who you're uh, connected to you can also do a high base fee and lower ppm but those would be for macro payments so if you have say a channel to bit refill where people are sending bigger chunks of sats at a time they're like buying a gift card and filling up fifty dollars on a gift card or you know doing that kind of thing that's where you uh put higher base fees and lower PPM. But uh, in the podcast world, most of us are doing the micropayment thing. So um, I know that uh, on Podcasting 2.0, they had talked a long time about uh, doing zero fees or like aiming for zero fees. And I think that's smart for a base rate fee. But for PPM, you're going to have to have a fee that pay, you know is going to pay you back for balancing channels and for routing payments. So these fees don't have to be super high or jacked up because you still want them to be selected and you still want your node to be used. Um, but there is an equilibrium to think about. And that's uh, my on-chain, off-chain cocaine shit stain for this week. All right, we need a jingle for that. I know that was another thing I was hoping to get done. And God, we got back at like wicked late. We turned the rental car in just after midnight last night. Well, we were supposed to get back at like 7 p.m. And then the highway was shut down. In a couple different spots. Yeah, on a Monday. What's up with that? Well, there was like a bad wreck in Columbia, which was the the biggest time on our trip. But there yeah. was also something going on in uh, St. Louis, too, that slowed things down. Oh, yeah. As it will. Yeah, what are you going to do, man? Freaking interstate. People are getting in wrecks, <laughs> acting like idiots. Yeah, so I got to stay flexible. Ask for that overnight drop-off for the rental car. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah, if you got to get it in before they close, then you're screwed pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't share the story about the, the CDC encounter we had last week, and I did think that was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, I kind of almost totally forgot about it. Uh, yeah, I figured, so I put it in my notes to bring up tonight. There was a dude, so on our way out there, when we first got to Maryland, you know, Maryland is like the land of the spooks and the CDC and the three-letter agencies and the four-letter agencies, and just about every kind of federal nonsense you can think of. It's spooky, for sure. And, uh, Maryland and Northern Virginia, but, uh, you know, D.C., greater D.C. area. There was this old dude who was like a CDC guy, and he was like standing in line. And you know how like a lot of older guys will try to force conversation on you? Or like, they'll just like keep going, and maybe you're like not taking any hints that you're not into it. 
and the guy like I'm waiting to check out with the girls and he like looks at him and he's like so you got two huh and I like look down and I look at him like I'm like yeah you know I don't know where <laughs> you know I don't have anything to say to that like there's two you can count okay and he was like yeah my job is like having me in the public a lot lately so I've been talking to more people and I was like okay <laughs> That's interesting. And then I happened to look down and he's got a badge on and his badge is like CDC. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. And we're, we're, we're in, I don't remember, Walgreens, CVS, some, some drugstore. I can't remember which one. And uh, we're standing in line and this guy and me and the kids are the only people in the whole drugstore that don't have masks on. And he's like, he says something along the lines of, yeah, I, I'm, it's really neat to see or it's really encouraging how the kids can handle the pandemic and they're wearing their masks so good and all this and again like every line this guy's dropped on me like I don't have anything to say to it you know so he says that and I'm like all right well the dude isn't wearing a mask and I'm not wearing a mask and the kids aren't wearing a mask but he's talking about how great it is that kids wear masks so well and so I just like shrug and I'm like looking at my feet like can this guy just like leave me alone already (laughs) I don't want to talk to a guy from the CDC at all. Not even a little bit. Like, stop looking at me. Um, so I just clearly, I don't know what to reply to the guy. And so I just kind of like, I like shrug and look at the register. Kind of like, please, girl, who's checking out? Hurry up. And then he's like, got a, you know, he's got a newspaper. And so then he's like, yeah, I like to always grab the newspaper. I always check the obituaries. And I'm like, for the love of God, man. Like, oh my gosh. Again, this is just like nothing I can respond to. Like, I don't have anything to say to any of this. And Chick finally gets done. And I was like, you can go ahead, sir. I was like, you know, you you buy your newspaper and, and mosey on out of here. Just the weirdest interaction. It was super weird when you told me about that. Because I had gone in before you to use the restroom and uh, change the wolf cub's diaper. And I was walking out as that guy was shuffling in. And, you know, I gave him a little, like, head nod as he was walking in because we were the only people without masks at that time. So then I saw him shuffling out right before you. And when you told me that story, I was just shocked that he was a CDC spook because, again, no mask. I know. It was so weird. (laughs) It was so weird. I was, like, totally at a loss for what to do or say. Yeah, but when I say shuffle, I mean it. I mean, he was like a slow shuffler. We, it was kind of an awkward encounter. I When I was walking out and he was walking in, one of those like, oh, and he's taking up like the whole doorway. I'm like, you can get out of my way. Or, <laughs> Oh, well. I said, I said it last week when we were up there, but I'll say it again. You know, masks really did surprise me with how few masks were worn everywhere that we went. And coming back to the city, it's like there's a lot. There's a lot of masked up dudes walking around the city. Like, everybody, man, I'm back to being the only guy without a mask on in places, you know? Yeah. And it's just weird. Kansas City, I am disappointed. Kansas City. We we tried to go to Chipotle and Waldo today, and uh, they wouldn't let us order because they didn't have no mask. Didn't offer us no mask. Fuck them. The first time I've ever been refused service throughout this whole fucking ordeal in the last year, two years... Was today at at uh, Waldo Chipotle. So fuck you, Waldo Chipotle. I'm never going back to you ever again. Went to a different Chipotle. No one had a problem. I've eaten at that Chipotle 
probably a dozen times since the mask order. Never had anything said to me once. I know. But they wanted a fucking cop an attitude today. So go fuck yourself, Waldo Chipotle, you bunch of pussies. Pulled his mask down to tell me <laughs> that I needed a mask. You, you're fucking retarded. Fucking retarded. That's dumb. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, and they keep stretching out this uh, mask requirement in the city. But most places we go, they don't say shit to you if you walk in without a mask. No, no one says anything. No, it's just kind of a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. The signs are everywhere and you can safely ignore them in all but one so far case. Yeah. I missed who it was that said that to you too because I was trying to get the kids to the bathroom. But oh well, then we left. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck them indeed. Uh but we had the tastiest oyster ever consumed. Oh yeah, that in was my life. that was awesome. Yes, that was epic. I won't say what beach it was, but we went beach hopping a little bit while we were in Massachusetts, and you found this oyster. Yeah, it was like on a rock, and I was like, "Shit, this oyster is like really stuck to this rock." And then I jack, like, just you know, jacked on it a little like. Uh, I had to use some leverage, man, but I yanked it off of there. And how hard it was to get off of there, and then it finally snapped off. I was like, this thing is, like, good. This hasn't been touched, you know? Yeah. When you're like, look, I found an oyster, and, you know, the shell was shut, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Time to shuck it. Let's eat it. I dug in there, and, like, when I finally, when I stabbed through the shell, and there was, like, water poured out, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good one. It's like totally good. It was a big fat guy too. There was so it much was so meat big. in it, dude. It was meaty. And it was so sweet. Yeah, so I shared it with Lorian and oh damn. That was the best oyster I've ever had in my life. I know. I could I could I love oysters, so I'm definitely gonna eat more in this lifetime, but if I never had another one it would be okay because that was a great one to go out on. No doubt. I even thought I was like, if I get shellfish paralyzation from this, it was worth it. It was so good. <laughs> Yeah, I've never found one out in the wild like that in my life, so. No, I and you know, that was on my bucket list of things to do, is go oyster hunting, you know, get our own, and we did it, accidentally, you know? Also found some uh, horseshoe crabs, well, at least they're exoskeletons. Do you think they were molted, or do you think they were dead? Uh, I don't really know. I'm not, uh, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. Well, I wanted to show the kids horseshoe crab, and they kind of saw one. And then we saw uh, prints from the horseshoe crabs going back into the water. Their little tail. Yeah, the little prints. tracks they leave when the they tracks, zoom yeah. in. Yeah. They were around, but we just didn't see them. Yeah. This was a. It was a greatly successful trip. I also got to bring home some art from my late mom, so that was pretty epic. Found it in the attic of my grandparents. Had a weird like. I don't know if it was a spooky happening or uh, just my brain playing tricks on me, you know. But I was telling you, I came downstairs in a hurry at some point because I was going through these boxes of items, just old, old things. Some mine, some my mom, some my grandparents. And I started hearing like, it sounded like little voices. So I thought there was like a doll or something, like a push button Barbie doll somewhere that had been, you know, jostled around and I couldn't find anything. I went over to where the little voices were, indistinct words, like couldn't understand anything. Couldn't find anything, didn't find anything with a battery. Found an old puppet with a button eye and was like, oh, that's a little creepy. Uh, I'm going to take him home with me. 
Um, but I turn out the light and then I just heard this little like tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. Like, let's see if I can imitate the, the noise. Like, you probably can't hear that. But just like a little tinkling sound. And that spooked me. I just ran out of the attic and I came down there and told you. I was like, I was hearing little voices and then a tinkling sound when I turned the light off. We were like, okay. And, but yeah, it was great. It was great. We got to pay our respects to a friend who yes. um, we'd been looking for for a long time. Yeah. My best buddy died seven years ago. Seven and a half, really. And um, it was the last time we were in mass, which was two years ago. We were looking everywhere to try to find them because it was just like weighing on me pretty heavy. I just wanted to like pay my respects and I hadn't got to. And, you know, the they had a memorial service for him out in mass, but it was very late, late notice um, that they had it and I wasn't able to make it up there. And then they were planning some kind of celebration for him in New Orleans. And I don't think that ever actually happened. Uh, they had been working on it, but. A lot of his, he had a lot of friends in New Orleans, but I don't think that ever actually went down. And I was just kind of like, God, I gotta find, I gotta at least figure out where he's buried or find where he's buried at. And last time we were up there, we went to his hometown town hall and we're asking there about records and stuff. And like, they found a record of his death, but they didn't, you know, they're like, we don't have any info on his, where his resting place is. Well, last time we were up there two years ago, I found out from a friend that they, uh, uh, had buried him at this at his summer home, and so I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." You know, they, uh, his parents have since moved to the West Coast, and they live in the West Coast now, but they still have this summer home in Massachusetts. And so this time, I was like, "Man, I'd really like to get up there and finally pay my respects." It's like long overdue. Texted the buddy who let me know where he was. Uh, on our way up there, I texted him and. Never heard back. We did the bowl show, and then it was Thursday that we just decided, you know what, we're going to go to Plymouth, and then we're going to head north from there and just see how far we can get in. Because, you know, this the summer homes and private property, it's like a whole section of private properties. Yeah, like a gated community. It's like a gated, yeah. It's not really open to the public, exactly. But we were just like, you know what, we'll see how deep we can get in or see if, you know, fuck, we'll just try. We'll just give it a shot. And I called him that morning, my buddy, and left him a message, too, just to, just to see if I get a hold of him. And we were maybe 30 or 40 minutes from the town his summer home is in when I got a text saying, hey, my mom is actually house-sitting their house, and uh, she can show you where he's at. So that ended up being a huge weight off my shoulders to be able to do that. Yeah, that was awesome. It, he's in a great spot. Perfect, really. Yeah, they. he was cremated, and so they buried his ashes. I guess they had a, a long, difficult time trying to figure out exactly, you know, where and how to do that, but uh, they finally decided on the on the summer home because they were thinking about uh, doing it out there on the West Coast, but, you know, he never lived out there on the West Coast with them, and it just didn't really feel right to them. And then they ended up going, uh, I think it was two years after his death that they finally buried him out there. And uh, now they have a little stone there. It's not marked or anything. They they said they might eventually put a little something for him uh, by the marker. But right now it's just a stone, and then they planted a they planted an evergreen tree by it. So it's like a five-year-old evergreen tree. It's getting kind of, you know, bigger now. And, yeah, 
that was uh, something that needed to happen for a long time. So it was a really, it was like sad, but also a relief. Yeah, it to have that done. It was good closure because we'd just been searching and searching. You know, yeah. nothing on find a grave or anything, but we found him. So I poured one out for you, Sam, and uh, I left him a big uh, nug. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because it was just right. It was the right thing to do. All the kids got to play around and leave their energy imprints in the area. Yeah. I didn't even really think about it, but then I went back in the house and I had, I saw like a dugout. It was like on the counter or something, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, shit, I've got some nug. And so I just busted him off of a, a beauty. I was like, here, man, I grew this. Yeah, it was beautiful. And the stone they chose from the beach, it was just perfect. Everything about it just felt right. Yeah. Because we had gone through a forest that we thought his ashes might have been scattered in. And it was like, no, this isn't it. (laughs) Yeah, we looked around at the uh, state park he used to hang out in a lot in high school and growing up even. Yeah. And it was like, But just divine intervention with your buddy's mom being there. It was wild how the timing worked out. Yeah. To where we were almost there and then all of a sudden I get a message. Yeah, come on up. That's right. That was very cool. Very cool. So next time I'll try to plan something to get together with uh, his surviving friends and family. Got to plan a little bit better. I was, <laughs> the wolf's not great at making a plan. Yeah, I know. And there's so much driving around in Massachusetts too. More of a uh, more of an improv guy. Yeah. <laughs> than a rehearsed plan. Things line up a lot though. Yeah. Just like this instance. Well, you just got to trust and go for it, you know, and put the. Put the uh, intention out there. That's right. And, you know, you stay connected to your people and, you know, they'll come through. I, I've I've not really experienced uh, much of the opposite way. You know, eventually people will come through. We've so. been blessed. Yes. And also shout out to my grandparents for putting on a pirate treasure hunt for the kids that was a smashing success. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cute. That was fun. They made... A pirate map that they hid, and then the kids had just like happened upon it, and we're like, "Whoa, what is this?" And we were like, "I don't know. Looks like a map to me." Followed it down to a beach and followed the clues that they set up for them until they finally found Captain Bill, my grandpa, <laughs> and his first mate, my grandma. And uh, you know, eventually they found some colored sand and X's and got to digging, found their treasure. It's pretty cool. And everyone on the beach was uh, intrigued and asking questions and watching and having a blast watching the kids uh, go through this discovery. But yeah, the weather was perfect too. 70s all through the week. So they got to play in the ocean water and have a blast. Find seashells. It was a good time. It was a good time. And also my first uh, 33 story for tonight comes from Massachusetts. Oh. The Massachusetts House Plan... Would create 33 majority-minority districts. Majority-minority. Yeah, they want to redistrict the place uh, to increase opportunities for minority candidates to win elections to the legislature. Uh, And it would create four new incumbent-free districts and increase the number of districts with a majority-minority population by 13 starting with the 2022 elections, Hmm. if this all passes. In 2011, 20 majority-minority districts were put in place. So add 13, get to the magic number. Neat. 
That's what they're always going for. The magic number, 33. I think it's kind of strange. <laughs> I don't like uh, all the districting and redistricting and... Demographic tweaking. Like, and... Yeah, literally in a way to rig things so that you get certain candidates in, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's gross. It's It comes off as gross to me. It is gross. But here we are. Uh, this, is, this is what's happening. So, yeah, you know, it's just a draft... Uh, some draft legislation right now, I guess, but seems like it has legs. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Then Governor Hochul of New York announced uh, $33 million in federal funding to strengthen security for nonprofits facing high risks of terrorism. High risks of terrorism, you say? Yes. Yeah. She's talking Sounds about risky. nonprofits that are prone to hate crimes. 198 of them listed. And the $33 million would be used to buy uh, equipment and training, pay for response exercises, and uh, get some uh, contracted security personnel in there. Yeah. yeah. I like money, though. Oh, they like money, and then they got to spend it on their friends. You know? Yeah. Pay their friends. Uh, $33 million burning a hole in your pocket right there. Protect. They got to protect them from the hate. Oh, well. Oh well, it's a lot of money, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, dang, what are you? Uh, all right, thirty-three million dollars. Jump change. Two less than two hundred groups. Oh, and my final thirty-three story for the top three thirty-three tonight is that a Rhode Island man was sentenced to over thirty-three years in federal prison for international drug trafficking, specifically fentanyl coming from Canada and China. The investigation that he got caught up in started in January of 2015 when a woman in North Dakota overdosed on fentanyl. There's been a bunch of people picked up during this investigation. Dang. Over 33 years, huh? Was it like 35 or was it like 33 and some months? Yeah, they gave it in months. What was it, 400 months? Yeah, 400 months in prison. Do some quick math on that. 400 over 12 is 33.33333 years. So 33, 33 and a third. 33 and a third. That's even more threes. Uh, wow, he's out. Stick he's it out. to him. Douchebag Pat is concerned that he doesn't hear the wolf cub. Wolf cub's in bed, man. He's sleeping. Uh, yes, the wolf cub now goes to bed at 7 o'clock sleeping, central time. Sleeping through the show now. Man, he's all set. Little dude's growing up before our oh, eyes. Yeah. Also, had some breaking news. Oh, breaking uh, Breaking our, bowls. Our good friend Farmer Todd came through uh, with a late donation that I think I should read. Oh, thanks, Farmer Todd. Uh, Let's hear came it. Came in with thirty-three, thirty-three. Woo! He said, "My wife and I are sorry we missed a chance to host celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> we will make it up to y'all. Love is lit, Todd. Thank you, Farmer Todd. Yeah, thank you, dude. And don't feel bad. Uh, nah, we'll know, be back. Through. You're a busy guy. You got a lot going on, man. And uh, it was a busy time that we hit you up." And we'll be back through. We'll probably go back through the spring and stuff. So we'll we'll catch either going or coming eventually. One of these times. It's no worries, man. Yeah, the... no worries. And uh, gave us a chance to hang out with Abel Kirby again on the way back. So yes. we just <laughs> we were just like, yeah, whatever. We uh, sent him a text like, hey, we catch you in Maryland on the way back again. See, this is the thing with us. We're uh, voted most likely to come meet you in person, but. When we do, then everybody like moves right away. Oh, I didn't think 
about that. Because Fletcher, true. he like moved a couple months after we hung out with him. Abel's then, moving. Uh, Abel Kirby, he's like, yeah, you can stay with me because I'm moving anyway soon. So don't matter. The kids call him Mr. Kirby. Mr. Kirby. <laughs> That's Mr. Kirby to you. That's right. <laughs> so funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> or sometimes Ray will say, the no agenda guy. <laughs> Everyone is a no agenda person. Oh, man. Last night when we got home, uh, we were still streaming Hog Story. And I was like on the other side of the car. We were still unloading the rental car, pulling all our crap out of it. And Ray was helping me. And then she comes out and she was like, she walked around the car to find me. And she said something about, uh, she was like, oh, I found you. I just followed the sound of Hog Story. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah. You're playing it on your phone in your pocket. Uh, Yeah, I heard her say that. That was funny. Hog story. Ooh, that's a hot hog story. Hot hogs coming in hot. Oh, so there's a new 33 associated with the coof, and that's recoveries. Can you believe it? They reported 33 recoveries in Nova Scotia this week. Wow. Yeah, things are kind of slowing down otherwise, because when it comes to new cases, only Kenya, Australia... And Juneau, Alaska came in with uh, 33 new cases. Dang. Three with the 33s. And then deaths. Well, that was just Oregon this week with 33 deaths. But this was a funny headline I saw. Russia is still being ravaged by COVID-19 with 1,000 deaths a day and only 33% vaccinated. Yet. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a bullshit to me. A thousand deaths a day. A thousand deaths Every a day. death a COVID death. Hey, isn't Russia bad? Like, isn't that a good thing? I don't know. I thought Russia bad, and so, like, we, we should be jumping up and down. A thousand of the Russkies dying a day. Ravage the Russians. These fucking people. They can't keep track of what the narrative is. No. They just, you know, the, the presser comes in from one direction or another, and they just write what the presser says in slightly different words, you know? Rumor Town said he had 33 cases of face palms when talking to people this oh, week. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nothing like yeah. your fellow man to pick you up, man. That's right. That's right. Talking to normies. Uh, yeah, that's what I love to do. Final magic number story with the coof. Um, yes. After nearly dying of COVID, a 33-year-old Israeli woman and new mother goes home. But, of course, the first Neat. line is... No, should have been vaccinated, and you too should get vaccinated, because I almost died. Oh my god, we heard the most eye-rolling commercial today Yes, on the fucking radio. We were on uh, the Kansas side. Lady's like, I got the COVID. I thought it was just like a cold or a flu. They don't want you in the hospital. They wouldn't let my mama come see me. <laughs> and like the ad is like <laughs> just so stupid. And this woman's like, you gotta, you gotta get vaccinated. There's side effects, but they ain't as bad as catching COVID. <laughs> and she's like sobbing through the fucking ad. And I'm like, I'm just like, you know, if the, if the shot was so great. Then you wouldn't even need you wouldn't need a big ass propaganda wave to beg people to get it and to cry and bitch and moan about it and all this shit. Try to scare people, fear with fear and free donuts, you know, like <laughs> it's just so fucking. Be scared, you 
and don't take care of yourself. Whatever you do, you want to make yourself more susceptible to getting sick. Eat shit. Don't exercise. Don't leave the house. Don't get any sunshine. We don't want you to interact with your loved ones. Isolate. Oh, wear a mask all fucking day. We also heard that commercial that was like, you're probably as lonely as I am. And everyone else is as lonely, lonely as we are, or whatever you remember. Oh, they that played that night? at like one in the morning last yeah. night. <laughs> if you're lonely, go on the internet onto this forum with yeah, all the other lonely it people. It was like, <laughs> it was like tips for creating meaningful relationships. <laughs> like, go to this website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what can you do? I know what I can do. Go behind the curtain. Ooh, plenty of meaningful relationships back here. Yeah. Well, did you see there is another study uh, published this week that says CBD inhibits SARS-CoV-2 spike protein-induced cytotoxicity and inflammation? I know, we've been talking about this from the get-go. If you smoke weed or CBD-specific strains, you know, uh, less likely to have that, uh, what is it, the cytokine storm. Man, f*** them studies. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever, whatever. I do what I want. But Yeah, dude. Yeah. Bunch it's of interesting. Studies. I mean, you know, if I just feel like if uh if it's good for you, they don't want you to they're not gonna tell you about it very out in the open no, no, because no, 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 no. being there's, healthy is there's nothing good for you. You need pharmaceutical products. You need a pill, you need vaccines before you catch things. You need uh total slavery control by the pharmaceutical companies you need pills and you need vaccines yes you need to be a dependent slave because if you're independent then you're not making these big dudes any money no if you're independent then you're you're just following misinformation oh yeah that's all you're doing (laughs) you're putting everyone else's lives at risk that's right don't you know that's right haven't you gotten the memo You hate everyone else. That's your problem. 15 days for two years to slow the spread. (laughs) Oh, well, here we are. I've just leaned into it now. Like, they call us an anti-vaxxer. I'm like, okay. Call us a racist. I'm like, okay. Saying, oh, you hate people. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. I hate people. You got me. What are you going to do about it? Jesus. When they change the definition of anti-vaxxer to someone who opposes vaccine mandates, yeah, that's me. Yep. I don't like mandates. I don't want to see any mandates in a free country. Guess I'm a fucking anti-vaxxer. Whatever. Guess so. You can call me anything. That's fine. You can call me whatever you need to call me. You can project any of your hate and insecurities onto me, the wolf. I'll be your boogeyman, baby. I'll be your fucking boogeyman. Yeah, and instead of spending your, uh... Fiat fun coupons at the therapist, you know, just send some value our way. Yeah. Hate, hate value. <laughs> just like the hate boost yeah, I've been you gotta, hearing you about. you gotta hate boost us. <laughs> hate boost. We'll take your boosts of all kinds. <laughs> um, so I saw this week in Hayward County, California, that cops seized 33 pounds of weed and 8000 bucks in cash. Dang. I don't think it's Hayward County. I, th- I I think I said that wrong. Just Hayward. Hayward, California. Yeah. You know, that black market weed. Different than the slightly legal, st- state legal weed. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's much scarier. Yeah, so scary that I saw in uh, Oregon, the Senate president is calling on the National Guard to come in and combat illegal cultivation. That's kind of a stretch, I think. Aren't they busy driving school ridiculous. buses all over the place right now? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that they were calling on the they National Guard to they drive kids to school. They can't weed. They're driving school buses, man. Yeah, well, here we are. God, you those wake guys got to do everything. They now. wake up in the morning, they drive the school bus, and then they're going to bust down some gates to the acres of weed that don't have a license to be Soon grown. Soon they're going to be <laughs> emptying the cargo containers and uh, flying the Southwest planes. I mean, these guys are going to have to fucking do everything. Yeah, that's right. They're going to have to be jacks of all trades, experts of none. Yep. Yeah, well, I got a clip. I got a clip to play. Ooh. Let's see. Let me unmute your clip Around line. South Carolina, an elementary school teacher is accused of having marijuana edibles in her student prize box. <gasps> 27-year-old Victoria Farish Weiss is charged with possession of a Schedule One drug. According to an incident report, Weiss bought a mixed bag of candy from a Dollar General to give to her students. On September 23rd, one student grabbed a Stony Patch Kids gummies from the prize box, <laughs> believing they were Sour Patch Kids. The report said we took the pack of edibles from the student and told him to pick something else, but he picked another pack of edibles. No students ate the edibles. The arrest warrant says authorities found THC edibles in Weiss's home. Lexington School District 1 says Weiss is no longer employed with them. <gasps> Getting high? Stony Patch Kids, yeah. I would like some. Good ad that they're getting in there. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get them while they last because this is a direct attack on edibles. They always try to pull this bullshit during Halloween. They always try to pull this, but it's not going to work. Every Halloween, they're like, the children, it's weed, no. Yes, just like the razor blades in the uh, candy or whatever. Nonsense, nonsense. But in school, man, if I reached into my teacher's prize box (laughs) and then pulled out... Yeah, but pulled out some... Stony candy, I wouldn't even be saying anything. I would just put it in my pocket and walked away. But these were elementary school kids, you know. So yeah, yeah I, that's a little bit young. The whole thing seems so weird, though. Yeah, it like, just seems how do you, set up, man. Yes, it seems too set up. It seems like, totally set up. How fucking dumb are you to get stony patch kids in the elementary school? I mean, it's just something. Is, something is up with that. Someone wanted her fired. Something stinks. But my thing is, if uh, if they have the seed to sale and all this weird tracking and stuff, wouldn't the edible have like a serial number on it that could be traced back to who bought it and where exactly it came from? I have no idea. Well, I don't either. But I mean, it just seems like we have that crazy level of monitoring, tracking, of tracking all these products that they should be able to do that or else... They're literally wasting everyone's time and the tracking doesn't work. I think this is the perfect case for them to prove, hey, this tracking is uh, it's so gotta worth be a it. Fucking setup, this don't lady you was think? set up. Yeah, you know, could have been a different teacher up that the... put it in there yeah, or a either... kid took it from their parents. Either somebody set her, set her up the bomb or something. It's, it can't just be that she accidentally put the fucking stony edibles in the And not one. In the bowl but of But two. <laughs> Candy, they're giving the kids. No, 
I just refuse to believe that. I do too. That's what I thought when I heard the story. I don't know. It's a weird one. It's a weird one for sure. Um, but, you know, first I was like, hey edibles for a prize in class. That sounds fun. So, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. In Minnesota, the courts have ruled in two different cases that medical weed is not covered under workers' comp because it's federally illegal. Neat. Yeah, it's a good excuse. Well, we've been trying to tell the bowlers this. What, that it's federally illegal? Yeah, that there's no such thing as legal weed. Oh, so dumb, though. Because, you know, states' rights. And it's not just a technicality, either. There's no such thing as legal weed. And you find out when you go to, you know, try to have insurance or try to have a banking service or, you know, any of these things. And then you get federal pushback because they're like, well, you know, uh, actually, uh, this is uh, against the law, even though it's uh, legal in your state. I actually saw a funny story uh, today about banking issues. And that is that the Bank of America canceled the account of Sue Sisley the marijuana and psychedelics researcher at a Scottsdale Research Institute, even though they have DEA approval for their studies. Yeah, shut it down. Their stuff got shut down, and it said uh, the decision's made and it's final. That's your banking system, everybody. But I think this could be a good good case, you know, to get the ball rolling on a federal level maybe, because the DEA should be able to step in here and be like, whoa, 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 that's our study, though. Like, we need the funds, right? Now you're going to get some federal level people pissed off. Yeah, I don't know. They're not going to go to bat. They're not going to go to bat for you don't anybody. Think so. I don't know. I doubt it. And it's just uh, the bank can be a cunt to whoever they want for for this reason. You know, they just use this as an excuse. But Shut them all down. They could just as easily shut, you know, keep their fucking mouth shut. But no, they don't do that. Uh, and next thing you know, everyone with the last name Green or bud in their name their bank accounts too will be shut down because the association with weed is too close just by your name in chicago the city council (laughs) members have proposed an ordinance that would require dispensaries planning to open within 1500 feet of other dispensaries to provide certified evidence every year that they are indeed social equity applicants oh the social equity thing again this is just hilarious to me because the social equity thing is causing so many problems in well, Illinois. It's it, That's just absurd. you got to re-up on it every year. Like, if you applied and you're accepted, it should be it. You're accepted. Why do I got to keep <laughs> reproving it every year? Like, oh, it's the same proof, right? Yeah, again and again and again I mean, you have to prove it. You're, you're, if, you, if you are indeed what they call a social equity applicant, then... A year isn't going to change your reason for qualifying under that category. Right, because it's where you reside, right? In a neighborhood that was more hit by the war on drugs than of others. Or it's a, something on your record or a family member's record. That doesn't change. I don't understand why it has to be every year. Once should be enough. And that should be on your application. Man. But whatever, they're screwed. <laughs> it's just a complete, it's just a continuing circus with all the social equity stuff. Seriously. Um, the Illinois Supreme Court today ordered the consolidation of all the lawsuits that have been filed by applicants who are challenging the fairness of the licensing process. And of course, the fate of, I think, 185 different licenses, uh, 
is on hold indefinitely because of these cases. So I guess they're trying to speed things up by saying, hey, you got to put all the lawsuits into one and we'll figure it out from there. But, yeah, well, Illinois. I wouldn't pay a dime in Illinois if I didn't have to. I think we might have gassed up there on the way home. We got gas once there. Ah. We missed it on the way out, though. (laughs) Yeah, that was the first time. Like, okay, gas prices went up when we got to the east side of the Show Me State in St. Louis. Whatever. But you get to Illinois, and it was like $3.89 a gallon or something. Yeah. I didn't see $3.99 until the east coast. Yeah, that and it was, was just at that one place that like gotcha gas station. Yeah. Where they don't advertise their price online or anywhere else. Yeah. Oh well. Sometimes you get got. Sometimes you do indeed get But got. it felt good coming back to the show me state where it was what what were the gas prices? Three oh nine. I can't believe that feels good. It's like oh uh, they're two ninety nine in in most places here and I bet they're like probably two ninety five or two eighty nine up north. I betcha, I betcha. Yeah, well, Weird that under three bucks a gallon sounds good. But here we are. Virginia officials sealed more than 64,000 misdemeanor weed distribution charges uh, since legalization took effect there in July. And that's on top of 333,000 possession records that were sealed when decriminalization passed in 2020. Hmm. So (laughs) they're doing work. Whereas in California... I guess hundreds of thousands of people still have their weed records publicly available, even though law requires them to be sealed. And I think three years ago, there was a bill passed that reiterated right. these are supposed to be sealed. Like, hey. Expunged. By the way. Right. Expungement means get rid of them. Delete them from the database. Yes. As if they never happened. Strike them. Yeah. But, oh, Easier said than done, right? Yeah, when it yeah. comes to uh, government old, implementation yeah. of things. Good old government. Yeah, Especially right. the enforcement part of it. So in Connecticut, they've added Huntington's disease, which is a progressive brain disorder that causes muscle problems and involuntary jerking. That was added to the medical conditions that qualify you for medical weed, but they rejected anorexia. Huh, well... If you're an anorexic, you just claim involuntary jerking and you're good. <laughs> Everybody can get down with some involuntary jerking. I mean, come on, let's be, let's be honest. Yeah, they won't, you know, look at your actual uh, biology or anything. They won't See if that come, chromosome is messed up. They're not going to come, like, it. actually watch you involuntarily jerk. No, that would be a huge violation of privacy, man. They also expanded the purchase amount to three ounces a month. Oh, all right. It's a step in the right direction, after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction, after all. It is. It is a step in the right direction. Thank God we get an extra ounce a month. Yeah, that's in Connecticut, so. Here in the Show Me State, uh, some non-flower products were released from an administrative hold placed on... A company, we talked about this last week. Yeah. No one knew why they started pulling it all off the shelves. Well, they're starting to put stuff back, just not flower products. Huh. So, well, kind of weird. When the rumor maybe was Maybe it's a that, mold thing. That's what I'm thinking, now that they're just holding back the flower. Yeah, that seems like likely now. Yeah. We were already speculating that last week, but it would make sense. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Keep, Keep an, an eye, eye on, on it. it. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Washington State 
has updated their list of allowed pesticides. All right. I don't know much about pesticides, but it's kind of creepy reading like, oh, you can use these pesticides for your weed, you know. Yeah, I don't so, know. certain okay. ones are good, certain Is ones it, are bad. It's kind of like the organic scam. It's like you have to use this list and then you're organic. I don't know. You got to imagine there's there's players there, you know. Oh, totally. Life is a scam, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. Any any place you can make money, they're going to try and make money. So, And they do. They do. Of course they do. Uh, in Michigan, folks uh, convicted of weed crimes in the past can now play a part in the medical industry. All right. Yes, that was part of a bill that just passed. See, it's so weird. You get some states where you can't even be in the weed industry if you have a record. And then you got other states where... You're first in line if you had a record. Yes, isn't it strange? <laughs> it's just like topsy-turvy, upside-down, state-by-state, the way this thing rolls out and like how governments react to it, you know? Yeah. Really makes me think, you know? So South Dakota's medical program, if it goes forward, is set to start on November 1st. Uh, last week, the Department of Health rolled out uh, that, you know, they just kind of said that they would start the application process in the coming days. Um, but their deadline to start issuing medical cards is November 18th. Of course, we know deadlines don't really matter to them following what's going on in other states. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a it's a guideline, right? Yeah, you just point to COVID <laughs> and go shrug and we're working on it. Just sort of a guideline for the government. Yeah. But next Monday... Which is uh will be October twenty sixth, the South Dakota Legislature's Rules Review Committee will be hearing a second handful of proposed regulations from the Department of Health, and as you may recall, uh, they sent through some proposed rule changes that were rejected, and they were allowed to try again. So gotcha. here they are trying again after they refused to comment or say whether they plan to or not. Of course they did, trying to change the rules. Yeah, yeah. Any way they can. It's so, to be expected. Yeah. Par for the course. Update on that next Tuesday for sure. Um, then I guess there's some medical ads rolling out in South Dakota that the governor was a part of. Interesting. And they were paid for uh, with tax money, obviously. That, But that money was earmarked for marketing against opioid abuse oh and then they just attacked uh medical weed instead i'm not sure if it's an attack or just uh i haven't seen this ad it could be an endorsement you're saying no it's not an endorsement but it might just be like oh medical is rolling out on this day just tentatively a psa i don't know interesting but either way people are pissed that their money uh went to funding that ad almost a million bucks paid for this i think it's kind of ludicrous any tax money goes to making commercials yes i do too psa is my ass like just put it on your government website right right and if anyone gives a shit they can read it there click on the faqs or whatever nonsense um and then the final south dakota story tonight is that there's draft legislation uh that's been filed to just scrap their medical program entirely and create a compromise recreational market, which would legalize up to an ounce for possession, uh, 22 grams of concentrates, 
but they had edibles in there. So 22 grams of concentrates and edibles combined. I don't know. Hmm. Um, it would make the Department of Revenue the regulator, and it would prohibit home grow. No. Compromise my ass. Boo. You don't have a medical like you don't have a medical bill if you don't have home grow. Right. And what's up? I mean, you know, the recreational market is still up in the air. That Supreme Court hearing hasn't happened still. Yeah. You know, but what if they say, Oh yeah, the voters voted for this, this is the way it's gonna be. Then it goes into play. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada boom. I'm I'm feeling too positive about things probably tonight. <laughs> Being too optimistic. <laughs> Well, you know, a girl can dream. A girl can dream, even if she smokes bowl after bowl <laughs> every day. <laughs> um, and let's see. Alabama's Medical Cannabis Commission decided not to push on trying to make licenses available any earlier to avoid losing uh, the progress they have made. So medical weed won't be available for patients until 2023 at the earliest oh boy yeah hurry up and wait isn't that the game though every time oh yeah that's just the insane. implementation of some of these things is, insane know? and even if you set a deadline for them you just like, ignore it who, who's the stoners here me or use <laughs> right um october 18th yesterday was a proclaimed wisconsin hemp day by the governor okay so yeah hemp for victory then Panama has legalized medical weed. And a crazy story from across the pond. A British man was sentenced to 25 years in prison in Dubai for possessing CBD vape oil. That seems pretty extreme. Might be 50 state legal, but it is not worldwide legal. No, I mean, <laughs> you can get... Uh, it's like, it's CBD. They're like, yeah, weed. You can get locked away for whatever in Dubai. Yeah, whatever. Yikes, but man. anyway, that's yeah, my the, rundown of what's going on. Not the place to be locked up abroad. Week. No, no. But, uh, hey, they didn't give him 33 years. Right. So, 25, though. Jeez. 25, that's still up there, man, for some CBD, man. CBD doesn't even get you high. That's the whole, like, point, I guess, of it. Yeah, man. It can pull you back from a an intense high, though. As far as the, the legal be. argument, they're like... We'll just use this little part. You know, you don't even get high. Oh, no. Stop seizures. Hey, well, you know what we had? What have we had? A fresh metal <laughs> moment. And I, Woo! I heard a rumor that the Rev actually recorded it during the show. Whoa. So that's some kind of skills. Fresh metal moment. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I had a crazy rerouting problem with this audio. And I'm not really sure why, but the I used to route all my audio out of the computer through the headphone jack here on the front, right? Okay. Simple enough. And when you go into the settings to do that, you just pick speakers, real tech audio, right? It's right. not giving me anything. I tried three different cables. I tried all of this. So the workaround I found is really goofy, but instead of selecting the headphones with real tech speakers or whatever, now I select this new monitor that we bought and it has a headphone jack on the back of it. Oh. And uh, basically if I go in and do that, then this can happen. Oh, oh hey guys. Hey. Reverend Cyber Trucker here with this week's Halloween special Metal Moment. Nice. Ooh. 
Tonight's song choice was voted on by everybody, but the idea for the song itself came from C-dubs. For tonight's classic rock song cover, we go head back to Norway to Leo Marikioli of Froglieb Studios. Originally recorded by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers, this is Monster Nash. I was working in the lab late one night When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from the slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise Is it the mask? Is it the monster mask? The monster mask? It was a graveyard smash Is it the mask? It got on in the flash Is it the mask? From the laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from the humble abodes To get a jolt from my electrodes They did the mass, they did the monster mass The monster mass, it was a graveyard smash They did the mass, it got on in a flash They did the mass, they did the monster mass The zombies were having fun just begun The guests included Wolfman Dracula and his son The scene was rocking All were digging the sounds Eagle on chains backed by his baying hounds Alright Wow Add that to the Halloween Haunts playlist This whole thing is very, very spooky Spooked me spooky. I like it Got you in a spooky moment Yes, I will definitely add that to the Halloween Haunts Thank you, Reverend Cyber Trucker. Thank you, Rev. For another metal moment. So metal, so metal. And you can help decide the next metal moment if you go check out the Rev's poll for this week. That's right. He might take uh, suggestions or something. I know that last week the poll was uh, basically the winner would go, uh, the winner was this one, and then the next one's just going to be the next one. Ah, oh, shoot. Might already be decided. Reverend can check me if I'm wrong, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. Recording during the bowl. I love that. I love it. Getting it in. Love it. Get re- you know, you got to record when you can record and not a moment sooner. It's just how it goes, man. Well, you know how it goes uh, with the uh, text line, too. You can always text 816-607-3663. Uh, like uh, Flip, who texted us a picture of an old bowling alley someone could buy if they wanted to live... Uh, out in the middle of nowhere, Montana. Oh, that's a cool looking alley, though. It's cool. I said uh, maybe we could use that for like an art or something. Yeah. Seems kind of interesting. A little ketchup and mustard color going on on the exterior paint. Yeah, could be. Uh, also, Fletcher says happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks, Fletcher. <laughs> happy birthday, birthday. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful and just over the moon with all the birthday wishes I got last week. It was so cool. Getting serenaded on my birthday in the bowl. In the bowl. Couldn't have planned a better birthday than that. This week our callers are talking about the uh, first time you went to a spook house. Not a steak. Not a steakhouse. A spook house. And uh, let's get right into them. Stop the hammering! Alright, so first time I think I recall going to a spooky house um Probably when I went to Disneyland as a young child, um, oh. and I remember, you know, I mean, I guess it's more of a ride than like an actual, I don't know, haunted house or whatever. Um, I certainly did my share of those um, growing up. There was a, um, 
you know, I mean, I was, I don't know, I was three when I did that. So I don't, I don't remember too much about it except for the, um, the floor going around. Actually, Space Mountain was kind of scary as a, as a three or four year old too. That, that's a different thing. But the, um, no, there was a, uh, at the boardwalk in Santa Cruz, they had, um, one of the, I don't know, the, you know, I guess, I guess one of the rides where you kind of go through, you go through a tunnel or something and they have, uh, you know, and it's supposed to be a haunted something or other. And occasionally they'd have people there. And I think, a, you know, if I, you know, people would occasionally jump out and actually, you know, would actually jump out and scare you kind of thing, you know, so, um, I don't know if they still have that at the boardwalk. I, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's been a while since I've ridden any of the rides there, and you know, and they've changed it so much. Uh, I don't know if they have it, but uh, yeah, okay. So yeah, I almost forgot to call in and say, hey, what, what's my spoopy ride? But uh, <laughs> might say I've been a little distracted lately, so uh, kind of. Uh, uh, but it's always, uh, yeah, you know, there's and there's plenty of scary things out in the world, I guess, that I, um, you know. We don't need to relive our, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know. Some people really find all that stuff interesting and, and, um, and, and it is kind of cool that you can be very creative with, with all of that stuff, I think. But, uh, and some people, you know, really, really like it. And, um, I don't know. I didn't say there's just enough scary things going on in the world that I don't, uh, I, I don't think much about it. I but, agree. Uh, yeah. I guess that's the, um, I guess that's the first time I went to a, um, you know, to a spooky house, but yeah, it was uh, it was Disneyland, you know. So of course, it was probably not nearly as cool as it could have been. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Love you, mean it. Love you, mean it. Love you, phone boy. This whole thing is very, very spooky. Spooky house in Disneyland. You know, jump scares are my least favorite. Whether it's a spooky house or whether it's a uh, movie or whatever it is, I just the jump scare, blah. Don't like that. Me neither. It's irritating. It's irritating. Makes you mad. And yeah, you know, the whole horror thing in general, I really dislike most of it. I just, uh, I feel like, I I don't know, I always just get put in this mode when I'm watching like a horror flick. This like fight or flight kind of problem solving mode. And it's like, I kind of want that part of my brain to be just reserved for when shit actually goes down. There's enough like bad shit that goes on in the real world, you know? Right. I'd just rather be prepared than uh, to get some sort of an entertainment out of activating all that. It's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, the trauma-based entertainment. That's, I've yes, lost that's my the phrase. affinity for most of it yeah. as I've uh, turned into an adult. I just <laughs> always get really mad whether I'm in a haunted house or I'm like watching a, a purposefully scary movie, you know, it's a movie that's supposed to scare you. Like I just get angry. Let's get like all pissed off and ready to like fight. Because for me, fight or flight is pretty much fight. <laughs> Especially with a movie or a haunted house, because you're stuck in there. You know, you flight's been taken away from you. You know, I mean, the movie you can walk out or turn off, and but like if somebody's like, "You gotta watch this movie with me" or whatever, you can't uh, can't leave. So then you're like, "All right, well, fight it is." <laughs> Roll up the sleeves, baby. Do you remember your first spoop house? You put up a fight? Uh, you know, I think it was probably in the Ozarks. Um, there's like a little spook house down there. Oh, and, on uh, the strip? I was like super young, maybe six, seven. Yeah, on that little strip. And uh, I think I went in the first room and then I was just like not having it. If I go through the few haunted houses I've been through, I've usually been like eyes cast down, you know? Because I just don't want to have that reaction and hit some, you know, you see videos of people like punching dudes out 
in the like punching people in the face. Yeah. And that's my reflex. It's like I just don't want to, you know, cuz I know it's all fake and I know it's like nothing's going to hurt you in there. But I don't want to have, you know, have to accidentally punch a guy who's just there trying to like really give you a good time, you know? <laughs> doing their job. But I'm all freaked out. So, I don't know. There was one room that I kind of wish I would have gone through because, like Phone Boy said, too, it is cool and neat, like, the creativity people can come up with, you know. Um, But, and especially if it's, like, a playful or creative way, like, it kind of depends on what you're trying to accomplish with what you're doing. But there was one room that I only heard about because, obviously, I didn't go through the whole spook house my first time. There was one room where they had just the whole floor was covered with uh the door catcher things those little springy doing <laughs> yeah just like the whole floor so you're like kicking them as you walk through uh. you're like kicking them and you don't really know what the hell's going on because it's a dark room <laughs> so the dark That's room cool. door doingies all, all on the floor i'm kind of i was kind of bummed that i missed that part but what was it going on in the, that first room when you turned out, you just said no. I don't remember. It was just like a dude with bloody all over and a knife oh. guy and, you know, some dude getting stabbed. Like, you know, oh, no. that's the kind of Someone stuff. Someone being hurt if it's those, If it's those scenes, whether it's like this torture scene or it's like dude getting stabbed scene, then like my brain starts doing the where are you going to go? What are you going to grab? Who are you going to, you know, who's how many asses do I have to kick to get out of this door alive kind of shit you know like, totally it's just yeah. not the kind of planning and uh, that that's not an entertain let's say that's not an entertaining place for my mind to go is trying to figure out like all right <laughs> we have to fuck up in order to save our asses in this situation oh man it's just work you know it feels like work not entertainment <laughs> it's to exhausting. me it just feels yeah. like work that's all yeah but you know it's, it's, it's just not for everyone that's all that's all. This uh, next caller might disagree. First speak house that I ever went to, I believe, would have been down at the boardwalk in, uh, oh, my God, uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, nice. Uh, back before everything got gentrified and they just leveled the whole area, there was like a little mini amusement park right there on the beach, and they had this big two-story house uh it was kind of like a haunted mansion sort of vibey, like old school. You sit in the track and you ride through the house and have all of these, you know, jump scares and whatnot. It was decked out to the to the nines with its theming and everything. I was young. I was a really young kid. Um, that's always stood out to me. And there was an, uh, yeah, I think I think that was the first one. I'll see if I can't find a link to it. Um, Texted into the bowl line. That's oh, whoops! I'm so stupid because I tried to, <laughs> I tried to check and see if you'd texted into the bowl line. That's uh one of my previous jobs was working at uh, Bush Gardens, and that was the tech captain for all the haunted mazes. So we ended up uh, building a lot of the like core sections. There was a brand new one a couple of years ago called Circo Sinestro that uh, we just set up in the middle of the field, and it was supposed to be like this. 19th century demented circus and we had huge tent poles that we had to set up and uh, a lot of like I don't know it's kind of goofy shit there was a a room full of mannequins that uh, had white tuxedos on with black lights and then they had a couple of dudes hiding uh, in morph suits Ooh. with oh. the tuxedos on and it scared the shit out of people it was pretty good 
Um, and, and then there's this whole, like, uh, pathway of these tiny dollhouses that had all these LEDs built into them that I had wired up myself. And, like, I built this monstrous fucking chain of uh, just, like, little LED uh, cabling. Um, just, like, literal, like, just fucking split after split after split after split. Just made this huge extension cord for all these LEDs so you could, like, unplug the houses as you went. You had to swap one out. It looked really cool because it had all these, like, tiny little LEDs going through the windows. And as you walked up, this uh, house got bigger and bigger. And then the last room was like you're inside this dollhouse, right? It was pretty cool. Uh, I really enjoyed, for the most part, like, once everything was in operation, getting in there and uh, maintaining the mazes and running around the park with my fucking full toolkit for the night Mr. Captain Badass <laughs> here to save the fucking tech aspects because drunk patrons are fucking knocking holes oh it chopped it chopped but here's the end and I was going to call back and it took me not even three seconds to redial but within that three seconds everything just slipped out of my mind oh. I was going to say just poof Bye-bye. See these kind of things and tef- technical uh, difficulties. Yeah, in the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. This all can happen behind the curtain. It's just like a uh, consequence of hitting it or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm so dumb. I wanted to like, I clicked over because he was like, I'll find a link. And then I was like, I did see a text from him and I wanted to click over. Instinctively, you think that's going to keep playing while you look at the text and then. It just kills everything. Right, row. So stupid. Stupid me. But that's great, boobs. Yeah, I like the uh, the idea of what you can do with black lights and all the different stuff like that. And uh, I just was thinking about it. I think like a fun, the fun house idea to me is a little more appealing than necessarily spook house. Oh sure. You know, for me, it's just those. Uh, it's that flash violent stuff that gets me to respond in that way, you know? Yeah. Dude's getting shot or stabbed, you know? Like actual fighting and f- it just activates me. I think it's the violence uh, that activates me. But if it was just like all weird trip sequence type stuff, you know, I think that would be kind of different. And then the fun house, they got the wild mirrors, things you can do with mirrors, things you can do with lighting, things you can do with springy door catchers on the floor you know yeah weird sensory stuff yep i'm like into the weird more than the ultra violent i guess and a lot of the spook houses they had like the violent part in the first couple rooms where you're just like oh my god gratuitous weirdness over gratuitous violence every time i uh fucking stupid double beep um I can't, I can't remember, like, the first time I went to a haunted house. Um, we do have, there's, like, the city over to the west of me. They have a big one there. It's, uh, they advertise it all over the goddamn place. They got, like, the, welcome to Erebus, four floors of terror. Like that, you know, on the radio and TV and all that shit. It's quite big, I think. I think they've had some of those, uh, like, if, uh, you know, like Discovery or whatever does, like the Halloween shows of the top haunted houses, which I don't call it a spook house. We call it haunted houses here. Yeah, same here. Or haunted attractions, I guess. I think that's what they call Erebus. Because it's not really a house, per se. It's in like a building. 
so it's uh, four floors of terror. But I do remember when we were kids, we'd go trick-or-treating at uh, my cousin's subdivision because we lived on the corner of, like, a main road back then. Mm-hmm. So we'd go to my cousin's subdivision and, and go through there. And there was people that had, like, a like a makeshift uh, haunted house that they set up where you went in, like, the front door and then came out uh, the side of their house because a lot of the houses in that subdivision had, like, a detached garage, and then you had, like, a side door. But they would set up, like, a little, like, uh, area where they had, like, sheets blocking off uh, areas, and it was kind of like a little tunnel that you went through. But then at the end, there was, uh, I think there's the stairs they'd have, or if it was might have been made out of cardboard, but they'd open this this door, it looked like it was like a, a cellar door, and then this big floating hand would come out, and it wasn't, it wasn't exactly like flesh colored, it was like that, uh, almost like the old latex glove colored, but still, when it, when you're five, it freaked the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I think my parents, somebody had to like carry me out of there, because yeah. that was like freaked out so much of that hand like floating out of there. I almost think it was like made out of helium or something, but the thing was huge. I mean, it was bigger than me when I was five. Huh, so, but, uh, yeah, I'd freak out seeing that. And, uh, that is like definitely my like first kind of like haunted house, spook house experience ever. It's freaky. Other than that, I don't think I like other stuff would have been maybe when you're in like elementary school, maybe they made up like the hey, the kids made up a haunted house. And then it's like, oh, stick your hand in this jar full of eyeballs. And it was all like peeled <laughs> grapes yeah, stuff yep. like that. Or, this good. Well, I think it's been a long time since I've uh, hit the three-minute mark. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I was saying, my, you know, it was like stick your hand in this bowl full of guts. It's really spaghetti. Yep, uh, yep. But, uh, I've been anyhow, in a couple of those. Uh, most haunted houses I find not scary. Um like that one, the Erebus that I was talking about when they first opened, it wasn't, uh, I don't know. You know, you think it's going to be over the top or a lot of these claims that like, you'll never make it through. We'll give you your money back. But that's all like bullshit. Uh, supposedly it's better now, but when they first opened it, was, I didn't think it was like that over the top scary. But supposedly now it's quite, quite elaborate and quite intense. I'm sure... Uh, more money over the years has contributed to that, but in the bowl, bowl, in the bowl. Yeah, uh, we have we call them by the way haunted houses here too. Um, Oz Tudan points out that spook houses are in Virginia, and I like that one. <laughs> um, we have some of the greatest haunted houses from, uh, and always have since I was little. Uh, they always get national attention every year, but never been to any of them down there in the west bottoms are some of supposedly some of the best haunted how uh haunted houses in the country get write-ups about them all the time but no you've been through one i've been through them all except for their edgar Allan poe one it was new the year i went oh uh, um but yeah i went through like uh what is it edge of the hell beast, the edge beast. of hell yeah they're pretty good yeah. biggest animatronic i've ever encountered in my life was in uh edge of hell took up a whole room it was crazy a big old devil animatronic. That was cool. But in The Beast, um, they had a Cujo animatronic that was, like, inching forward every time it lunged out. You know, how the, like... Yep. Yeah. It, the hydraulics punch it out. And so this thing was just inching forward, and I was the unlucky son of a bitch walking by. It just got nailed right in the kidney by the damn thing. Oof. 
Yeah, I should have said something. Should have gotten my money back at the very least. But <laughs> I was like, "Hey, someone needs to push that back in place." <laughs> um, but yeah, but that wasn't the first spook house I've been to. Uh, I started off for sure in uh, I think it was around first grade when we did that whole stick your hand in the jar of eyeballs and then feel the guts and it's spaghetti or whatever. And that was too much for me, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That freaked me out. And, you know, uh, my friend's mom was, like, running that little table. So there was a bunch of activities. That was the first time I went bobbing for apples and all sorts of goofy Halloween things, making crafts and whatever. But, yeah, she was like, it's just grapes. It's just grapes. And I was like, I know it's just grapes. It's just too gross. Like, oh putting the image in my mind and then feeling it. It was too much. I was like, I don't want to do that. That's funny. <laughs> but then I was really into spoopy things. And for my 12th birthday, my grandma made me this awesome Scooby-Doo cake. I saw a picture of it while we were up there. I should have taken a dang picture on my cell phone. It was epic. And then we went to a, I would say haunted house, but it was outside. A haunted attraction put on by a local Boy Scout troop. And to this day, that was the best haunted attraction I've ever been to. It was like a story instead of, you know, just all these like jump scares. I mean, the Beast yeah. and Edge of Hell have themes that go throughout. But this was like a storyline that they threw you into. And you were chained, but you were mostly just kind of like witnessing the events. You know, there sure. were a few jump scares and there were a few times when the third wall was broken and actors would interact with you and ask you questions and stuff. But it was like a theatrical performance that you moved around the woods to see the story continue. And it was my birthday. And so someone had told them ahead of time. And so by the end of the attraction, there was a part where like, you're going through the woods and it was real dark and there are just all these people, like all these quiet voices around you and they're all just like, Lorian, Lorian. Oh, <laughs> and someone told them I was going through and I was the first person in line too because it was my birthday and it was my idea to go. So I was the leader of the little gang walking through yeah. with my friends and stuff. And uh, yeah, that spooked me. I bet. But then I was like, ah, they're just actors. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> my friend was like, I told them it was your birthday. I was like, oh yeah, thanks. That was spooky for sure. That's funny. But there was a part in like a laboratory. They were like, you could see this guy in like a glass enclosure. It was like a little cabin they turned into a lab. And he was like spitting up this like glowing green goop. And there, then like smoke filled up the like chamber he was in. And all the lights went out. And then when they came up, you know, there was a strobe light. And he was wandering around just like puking up green all over the place. It was wild. It was so cool. <laughs> It was very cool. Great job, Boy Scout boys. Nice. You rock my world. And then, I, like, I went to a bunch of haunted houses in New England, and they were so gory. And I, this came up, I don't remember what we were talking about with Halloween stuff. And I was like, don't fuck with electricity in me. Oh, right. You know? I remember and you And I told that. you about, I, I think it might have been, like, Factory of Terror in Rhode Island or something. Where it's like, first you see a guy getting electrocuted, then you're walking through a hallway and the ground's all wet and there's these wires that are like sparking and you're just like, holy, get me out of here. Yeah, Not into that. I don't like that. I don't like that either. Our church, the church, uh, the Baptist church in town used to do like a salvation themed haunted house thing. Oh, fuck. During Halloween. They would get like a, 
some kind of smashed up car. I don't know from a junkyard or from what, but then they'd like the fire department would come out and do like one of the scenes, but it was like what you were saying with the scouts where they, there was a whole storyline thing. Right. So you're just like, it's like a moving theater almost. Yeah. But like it starts outside at this car wreck, you know, and this dude dies in the car wreck. So like <laughs> they've got like the firefighters and the paramedics, like they've got a real ambulance and a real fire truck and a real crashed car and all this shit, you know. And they're like taking the dude out on a stretcher and then you go through the church to these different rooms and like there's hell and there's heaven and I don't know. I can't really remember details of it much. That's pretty intense. I want to say it's like Resurrection House or something they called it. I can't remember. They now. still do that? I don't know. Huh. I don't know. But it was definitely a thing. How old were you when you went through that? Preteen oh, or? Preteen probably. I don't know if I had to guess. Maybe between like 8 and 11. Somewhere in there. It's freaky using a real crunched car. Yeah, it was all super realistic. Ugh. Made to be, you know. Yeah. Not quite as realistic, though, as this next color. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I hit it. I hit it. Yeah. Long and smoke, smoky. I hit it long and smoky. Smoky. <laughs> yeah, I hit it. Now I'm better. <laughs> Good hit. Now I'm so much better. Oof. And I have a very, very sexy beast on my mind, too. Ooh. Mm. Anyway, in the... Oh, yo, 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 yo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mighty fine right about now. That's good. I hope uh, that we get the greatest voicemails tonight. This is such a great first time I ever. Oh, I cannot wait for the stories. They will be both highly entertaining and uh, intriguing, I think. And I can't wait to hear your stories of your first spook house experience. Mine was, the first that I really remember vividly was in my, like, mid-teens, I think. Um, And it was a, I think I, I did, when I was younger, go to one at Great America. I remember that, but I don't really remember the details of it. However, the vivid one that I remember in my teens is at a, um, oh, what's the, there's an organization that does that, um, that always has haunted houses every year, and they, like, not 4-H, there's, it's something like that, like, one of these community organizations, um, and I forget their name, even if I was fucking, even if I was uh, lucid, and (laughs) not high right now. I would not be able to remember them. Um, What about Rotary? Maybe Rotary Club? A lot of community work, and they put on a damn fine um, haunted house attraction. Okay, I have like 40 seconds. Um, And I went with a friend, um, and they were staying a few feet behind me, and I was almost like running through the place. I was, was really fucking great. I could tell you that. Uh, they really scared the fuck out of me. They had a lot of gore and shit. Um, and I know that you're not necessarily asking for details, but, uh, ooh, it gave me a lot of tingles. Tingles. Gave me a lot of tingles, especially in my wet, my wet, squishy brain worms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so dumb, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I might have to call you back, babes. <laughs> I'm going to call you back. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, hit us back. Hit us back. Right here. 
Here she did. Okay, I think I can wrap this up relatively quickly here. So, um, oh, my heart was beating going through that uh, haunted house, uh, that haunted attraction, spook house, and uh, oh, yeah, you know what? They used they used all the right effects, and they were even playing um, one of my favorites throughout the the soundtrack was one of my favorite gothic horror soundtrack acts called Midnight Syndicate. If you have not listened to Midnight Syndicate, you must. They've been doing that shit for so long. Um, they're really great. I think they're out of uh, Ohio. And, um, oh, yeah, they have a lot of albums for, you know, uh, gamers love their music, but they really do, like, really beautiful, haunting, gothic horror music, like soundtrack music. And it's just two guys. Um, Midnight Syndicate is one of them. Knox. Arcana, which is N-O-X-A-R-C-A-N-A, is another one that's like that. Really, really great stuff. And so they were playing Midnight Syndicate through the Spook House, and I'd been a fan for a long time of their music. Awesome. Um, just wonderful. It was, it was, it was, yeah. It felt like, you know, honestly, <laughs> kind of an ethereal experience for me because there was a lot of strobing and probing. I mean, they were really edgy, actually, at this uh, at this spook house, and they had a lot of room. And I happened to know that at least half of their staff were like, you know, um, drug use, like hardcore drug users, Ooh. as well as some stoners in there. <laughs> and I was digging that because uh, they brought the best shit, and they brought all the spooks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, it was just great. It was great. Um, and it was relatively cheap. That's in the Chicago Burbs. The Burbs. The Burbs. The Burbs, yeah. Yeah, Chicagoland had some of the greatest spook houses, honestly, if you're willing to drive far enough and wait for hours in line for some of them. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear yours. I hope you got something special in the mail today. Oh, yeah. Did you get something in the special? In the, in, the, in the special. <laughs> did you get something in your fun hole? <laughs> I hope you got something special in the mail today. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not referring to anything, really. Just a little birdie told me something. <clears throat> All right. I love you both so very much. In the bowl. Love you, Quirky. Love you, Quirk ass. She filled it with her fun. In the bowl. The fun hole. The fun, fun bowl. bowl. <laughs> filled the fun bowl with her fun. Nice. Filled it up. Yeah, definitely. I. I she was around when you opened it, right? I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure she was around. Yeah, that was a great package. And great voicemails, Quirkess. Yeah, it seems like the the consensus here is that all of the best haunted houses are put on like by sort of a non profit team of people who are doing it maybe for a fundraiser and are also sort of maybe bound to not go gratuitous violence level. Although mm. Although also maybe if you got some uh, hardcore druggies <laughs> doing the haunted house, that there's a there's a certain bonus to that angle too. Yeah, I think so. But hey, yeah. that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. Well, this next caller is nothing if not full of opinions. Lorian, Carolyn, Spencer, Carolyn. I'm doing a cool dance. Oh, nice. Y- you guys are doing a cool dance too. Yeah, you, you know it. Nice dancing. Made my ass wet. <laughs> oh, just yeah. Hearing you dance. In the bowl. Carolyn, thank you, darling. In the bowl. So, it's all spooky. It's all Halloween time. Yeah. Ooh. 
Ooh. Late stage Get October. Get your pumpkins out, everybody. And then you got to carve those pumpkins. Yeah, you do. Got to. But, I mean, there's a lot of, like, spook houses. Like, I've been to, uh, a, I think there was a legitimate ghost. Okay. In this house. Like, in my house right now, I've talked about it, the baby powder ghost. Baby powder ghost. Baby baby powder powder. ghost. Haven't used baby powder, and I don't even remember, and all of a sudden I'm smelling it. My neighbor downstairs is even home. Like, yeah, yeah. Hello, baby powder ghost. Waving at the the baby powder (laughs) ghost. And then, so I went and visited a friend of mine at his place, and he has, he he collects a lot of estate items, and... There's a ghost in his house. And I go upstairs and he's like, oh, you feel this, like, this warm feeling, like, in the air? Like, and it was, and it was weird. It's like, oh, that's, that's this ghost. I forget what he named it. But then he's like, oh, this ghost likes ladies. Hey, oh. So I I guess I'm not going to get haunted, which is nice. (laughs) Thank you. That's cool. That's cool. Super neat. But I get to wear some cool hats. And I highly recommend wearing cool hats because that's how you fight the spook houses. Ah. Love you guys. Love you. Have a great show. Break a leg. Boost the boost. Boost, boost. Boost the boost. Boosty ladies. Oh, yeah. In the bowl. Bowl of boosty ladies. Cool hats to ward off the spirits. I like that. Yeah. We have an assortment of cool hats here. Hats is one of my nicknames, although the least used in high school. But I had a shitload of hats. Still do. Look at my hat collection. We have great hat shops around here, It's like here four too. or five cowboy hats. Got a pirate hat. Got a top hat. Top hat is legit. Probably my best hat. Epic top hat. Bowler yeah. caps. You gotta have, you gotta have cool hats. The one hat I've always wanted and never had, though, is the fucking propeller hat, dude. Ah, oh, the I feel fucking like you gotta propeller. Have the, you gotta have the classic doofus propeller hat, right? I mean, come on. Got to. Just never really happened upon one that was right. You do have the primary color umbrella hat. That one, that one is like of a similar vein for sure, but it's too useful to be as like fully stupid as the <laughs> propeller hat, you know? With the umbrella hat, it looks just as dumb, but it actually serves a utilitarian purpose of keeping the rain off of your head. And so that kind of makes up for the doofishness. I'm not sure if there's anything, though, that could fully make up for the doofishness of this next caller. Bowler! Bowler! Hi. Hi. Hi, Fletchy. Hope you're doing great. You're back home. Oh, yeah. Getting cozy. I slept in this morning. First time I ever went to, what'd you call it? Uh, Dangle Spook House, man. Spook Centrum? Yeah. Spook House? Yeah. Haunted House? Anyway. All of them. Um, I didn't go to those often as a kid. My, uh, my very Christian conservative... Mom didn't like any of that. But I did. I think the first time was in third grade, so uh, whatever, however old I was. Uh, uh, A friend of mine had, uh, he had really cool parents. Uh, They they turned their house into a haunted house. So uh, I love that. The hallway they put in, like this, uh, this whole like tunnel of cardboard boxes you had to crawl through, and there was like, you know, damp string hanging down. And then each room in their house 
uh, you'd crawl out of the box into a room, and there were different things in the room. Oh, you know, like, um, like clothes propped up on coat hangers to look like people standing there, and strobe lights going and black lights. You had to reach in a bowl and like without being able to see it and and tell them what you were feeling, like peeled grapes for uh, eyeballs and like a uh, Jello with with fruit and shit inside of it for intestines. Oh, I put shit in Jello. And um, the guy's older it? brother um, was in there and, and all black, and he would, like, you know, run up behind you and grab you or, like, Oof. push you down, all this kind of fun shit. It was great. It was great. We had a Halloween party there. Then we all went out trick-or-treating and uh, fuck shit up in that neighborhood. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I had a really good time. <laughs> and around here, uh, people people buy uh, uh, empty uh, trailers, you know, like 18-wheeler trailers, and convert those into haunted haunted uh, Oh, that's a, houses. Good, that's a good move. And uh, there was one I went to where um, it was just some good old, good old boys out in the middle of the fucking woods, man. Uh, and uh, the place looked sketchy. It was fucking great. And they had uh, they had chainsaws without any blades on them that oh, they like. Whoa! <laughs> he got got by the chainsaw. Shit! Whoa! They got him. I don't know. Net is furious of the Fletcher. I think Fletcher stole a story again. Doubled up like the David Copperfield. <laughs> the peeled grapes thing. <laughs> Gotta get him. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't get him with the chainsaws. He's Part like, two. Oh, okay. still Thanks, here. Google. Phew. I don't know where I left off. Maybe at the chainsaw. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was it. Chase after people with those chainsaws with no blades on them and uh, fake blood everywhere, just corn syrup and food coloring. Um, Way to spoil it. And fake severed heads. There'd be like cow skulls and even like mutilated cow bodies as you know, as gross as that sounds, but they're good old boys. I'm sure they had access to cows, and so yeah. they look like real fucking cow parts to me. Uh, which is kind of gross. At the same time, it really added to the atmosphere. They put the fear in atmosphere. <laughs> nice. It was great. Well done. I went to a Ripley's, uh, believe it or not, oh. haunted something or other, haunted sphincter maybe, <laughs> in, uh, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee one year. Not that you asked me to list every haunted house. I want to know them all. Went to. I hope you're taking notes. In order, because there will be a fucking quiz uh, <laughs> next time I talk to you. Okay. But I love you guys. Um, give each other, you know, upside down hugs for me. Uh, <laughs> stick. <laughs> Sticked. Upside down hugs, not upside down drugs. That is the hashtag. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun, uh, fun time. I've been to Ripley's Believe It or Nots, but never like a haunted house version of one. Yeah, same. Also, man, I didn't have any uh, cool friends with cool parents that would make their house into a haunted house. That's dope. That You know, there was a family in my neighborhood that used to do that in their garage. They'd like clear out the whole garage and make it into a haunted house, but then they like separate rooms off with like the black plastic stuff. What do you call it? Black plastic. Yeah. Tarp? Or not tarp? I don't know. Black plastic. Trash bags cut open. Basically, and yeah. <laughs> you get a roll of the shit, you know. You can make little separate rooms in your garage. That's cool. This caller made another separate room in our voicemail box. Oh yeah, another uh, another haunted house I had gone to. Um, you know, it was this it was this abandoned abandoned place. You go in there, and uh, 
there's mirrors all around. It's, it's kind of like foggy, like cheesy, cheesy smoke machine kind of fog. Mm. There's a uh, slightly ominous music, like somebody had slowed down Enya or something, <gasps> <clears throat> or or Kenny G had played like 33% speed. But uh, yeah, there's like ashes kind of falling from the ceiling. Strobe lights going, you know, typical strobe lights, black lights, uh, voices whispering. Like, who's that? What was that? The smell of rotting flesh. Yuck. Uh, and death. And you walk through this place, and, and of course, there's, there's guys that jump out at you. Uh, and then you, you, you go through it, and you come out the back of this place, and it turns out... I was in David Copperfield's body the whole time. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. These people are sick. How could you be in David Copperfield's oh, David body Copperfield's the whole time? Back. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you bring it into David Copperfield's body? Get out of there, Fletcher. <laughs> Jeez, man, I'm coming in after you. God damn it, NetNet says. <laughs> He's on his way to Texas. Now. He's heading to Texas. <laughs> I will stay off of the interstate as he screams down there. <laughs> uh, 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 breakneck speed. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for weighing in, bowlers. First time that you ever saw a spook house. Next week, we want to hear about the first time you ever what? First time you ever talked into the microphone. Oh, that could be now. This pop guard <laughs> is messing me up. I have my list over here. And the only spooky thing on it right now is the uh, found a dead animal one. <laughs> what about like the first time you ever had a paranormal experience? Oh, okay. Like first time you ever saw a spook? Saw a ghost? or oh, saw a spook. <laughs> yeah, the first time you ever saw a spook, why not? First time you ever saw a... Everyone's seen a spook by ghost. now, right? First time, I, uh, first time I ever had a paranormal experience, how about that? Because that's a little wider range. Yeah. I was trying to think of, of like unexplainable experience, but I want people to be able to call in and talk about it. Had a paranormal experience. Ooh. That's what I'm going to call it. Because then it could be like, you know, knocks or thumps or there's all kinds of different ones. Something yeah. that was unexplainable. Maybe something that was spooky. You just want to be spooky. Yeah, you know. This whole thing is very, very spooky. Gotta keep the theme going this month. Yeah, that's right. It's October, only once a year, you know. Oh, I know. Only once a year. Update. C-Dub says an update. That's ominous. Oh. What could it be update. now? Boost. What could it be now? Oh, and Boobs has his uh, link to the site. of the, Oh, the ride. The spook house he was talking about with the ride. Haunted Hotel. Oh, that's cool. That is cool looking. I love a building like that. Looks fun. Looks like something you'd fill with your fun. You know what I'm going to fill with my fun? What? The alley, man. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold. Hell yeah, you are. So, I guess a uh, high school halftime show featured a drag pageant for the students. Oh, yeah? A drag ball, if you will. They had to drag their balls? Yes. Yeah, not what I would want to see at a high school uh, halftime show, personally. Personally. Yeah. Seems a little early. 
supposed to get all that stuff on in college. College, yeah. Yeah, sure. You want to do that in college where everyone's an adult? Fine. But high school, hmm. That wouldn't be bad uh, F-tie for some ever saw drag show. Right there, right there. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, but that wasn't a good rule. So now we have to center ourselves and try again. Deep breath, next frame. A law went into effect yesterday that bans profanities from being on license plates in Maine. What the fuck is that shit about? Oh, damn it. Yeah. Shit. (laughs) One license plate says simply, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on! Except that on the plate, it's plainly spelled out. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's spelled fuck you. F-U-C-K-U. F-U-C-K-Y-O-U. Oh, wow. They can have seven letters? all the way out. Oh, nice. I think six is the max here. Like, you can have a space for your seventh, but that's it. Like a space or a hyphen. Mm. That's great. No, if you're the first guy that registers fuck you, you should be able to get that. Or don't offer vanity plates. One or the other. One or the other. Yeah, seriously. Can't have it both ways. Yeah. If I can buy a vanity plate that says what I want it to say, no one has that one yet, that should be it. That should be the end of the game. Get whatever you want. Yeah. Can't have fuck you. First Amendment. First Amendment, mofos. Yeah. Come on, on, man. I'll have to pay for this. Well, this is a good uh, good start to the rolls. All the uh, <laughs> all those folks with lewd, crude, and rude license plates will end up in court over this one. I want, I want <laughs> one with boobs. Or I want one with uh, titty. I want one that just says titty. Can you get one that just says titty? Where's the yes. line? Oh. wonder where the line is with this new law. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like. Blow me. That's a good one. That's blow only, me, only yeah. six. That's a perfect one. Blow me. Is that too much? Yeah, probably. Probably. What about me blow? <laughs> They're meblo, you know, it could be a name. sneak one in there on him. Yeah, yeah. Well, this guy didn't sneak in very well. Uh-oh. Uh, he was a veteran, an Australian former soldier, accused of storming an animal. Whoa, what is going on there? What did you what do? What is happening? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They're coming. <laughs> I'm hearing strange Wait. music around me, you guys. Did you hear that? Cause it was fucking loud. <laughs> Clicking on their mads over music. there. music. No, this uh, former soldier in Australia, he was accused of storming an animal shelter to get his cat back, and he has since pled guilty to that because he suffers from PTSD and he needs his cat. Yeah. For support. And he stormed where? I'm sorry. An animal shelter. I had his cat. Never give up, never surrender. That's what I always say. Get that cat, man. Get that cat. Hell yeah, I'm guilty. That's your of cat. Ch- yeah, I'm going guilty of going to get my cat. <laughs> and his cat was at the lost dog's home. Talk about a lost kitty cat. Well, that's, that's about as lost as you can get. No joke. Confused. Cat in the house of dogs. Jesus. It's a confused cat. Well, for the first time ever... An alligator gar was caught in the state of Kansas. Whoa. Yeah. Good catch. Yeah, they're found in Missouri, Illinois, Ohio, but never Kansas until now. I can see pictures of it. It is a big son of a bitch. It must be migrating. It must be migrating. I'm not a biologist, but uh, yeah, something's, something's going on. Somebody must have taken them over there or something. Fish are on the move. <laughs> Them alligator garden nasty, bro. 
It looks nasty. I wouldn't want to run into one. It's hard to catch them because they bite your line a lot of the time. Chop it clean off? Oh, yeah. With their gnarly gar teeth? Yeah, they get weird sharp teeth. Ugh. No, thank you. They bite people if you get in their way, I guess. They bite anything that gets in their mouth. <sighs> yeah, let's see. The fisheries division director says it's not unlikely that this fish was once somebody's pet or purchased from a pet store yeah. and simply released into the river once it became too large. Somebody probably put it there, yeah. Idiot. Stupid, stupid. Duh, you know what would be a good pet? Alligator gar. <laughs> That's a gutter ball for your choice in pet. Yeah, for real. But when it comes to choice in vases, this dude made some good ones. Because he found a vase at a thrift store for five bucks. And turns out it's worth around 15000 Nice one. Yeah. Doesn't say where exactly the thrift store was. Just Pacific Northwest. God, I love stories like that. Mm-hmm. Makes and, you think uh, that like it could happen to you, you know. <laughs> a treasure at every thrift store, and every thrift store a treasure. Problem is, I'm never looking at vases either. I try to look at everything, you know. You just never know when something's gonna call to you, and then you flip it over, and it's like, oh, David Bowie made this. Oh yeah, well sure. Yeah. <laughs> Always look at everything, but like I don't know, vases don't catch my eye or speak to me. You know what I mean? I feel like I could look at an expensive vase and have no clue. Oh, for sure. I feel like I can look at expensive everything and have no clue when I'm in a thrift store. I'm just like, oh, look, mushrooms. Yeah. Mushrooms are you so probably look cute. at the same base and go, $5 for this? No. i give you 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. What pisses me off, too, is they don't... I can't tell if this is a picture of the vase or what because it's cut off. You know, it looks like an artsy print. Mm-hmm. And so, But just just judging by... The lines and circles decorating this face, no. Not something I'm going to even pick up, walk right by it. But I guess the vase was made in 1902 by an Austrian artist. So, yeah, man. Neat. Five bucks, flip it to 15000 sounds good to me. That is what we call a thrift score, and I love those stories. <laughs> the hell of a flip. Hell of a flip for real. And here's a flip for you. For the first time in 33 months, the Nintendo Switch wasn't the U.S. best-selling console. Oh, who was? PlayStation 5. Who else? Sorry, Switch. Yeah, I remember covering that story when they started their winning streak. I don't remember what bowl that was, but I remember we talked about it. Dang nabbit. Yep. Uh, what do you call a photographer who's also an activist? A photographist? Maybe. Maybe just a photojournalist. I don't know. <laughs> but this uh, dude who takes pictures and calls himself an artist got 300 people to strip naked out by the old Dead Sea for a picture meant to draw attention to how the climate is shrinking the Dead Sea. I mean, however you got to do it. However you can get people naked. You can get 300 people naked. That's respect, man. 300 people naked for three hours. (laughs) Look, it's for climate change, right? All right. (laughs) We have to Uh, take our clothes off because it's too damn hot outside. (laughs) Look at the salty sea is shrinking. uh, The black sea ain't all that's shrinking in that photo. Hey. 
Sorry. Yeah. Shrinking though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Uh, but yeah, you know, and then it's weird because then it talks about how like, oh, there's no tourists coming around because of the pandemic. Like, how does the article take that turn? Climate change. Oh, well, yeah. Damn climate change. There wouldn't be no COVID without climate change in <laughs> the first right. place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Hello. Yeah. How dare you? No one ever calls me to just go outside and take naked pictures. I'm down. Photactivist. Whatever you got to say. <laughs> Any excuse to take your clothes off in nature. Desert, woods, whatever. It works. It works. Kind of like this scuba diver who found a 900-year-old sword. Ancient Crusader sword. That's in Israel. badass. Yeah, no joke. Northern Israel. The diver was about 170 yards off the coast in a five and a half yard deep water when he made the discovery. It was all covered in like sea barnacles and stuff. Nice. <laughs> Not sea barnacles. Marine organisms. <laughs> Marine organisms. Nondescript. Yeah. But he knew it was a sword somehow. Somehow. Made of iron. Pretty cool. The photos, it's covered in, you know, some shells. and. It looks like King Triton's sword or something. Yeah, exactly. The Sea King's sword. And then a woman called someone. His last name is Wolf. That's pretty cool. Uh, to get a rattlesnake out from under her house. Because she saw a rattlesnake sneaking under there. Well, turns out there was a lot more than one rattlesnake down there. There were about 90 rattlesnakes, and they were all getting ready to hibernate under her house house in Northern California. Oh, my God. Yeah. This dude crawled under the house, you know, just crawled down there to get him with a hook or whatever, flipping over rocks and stuff on his belly. Ooh. And he also sent, found some dead animals. He oh. left, and he come ba- came back a few times, and there were more snakes every time. Oh, my God. Mm. Three visits. Still finding snakes. No rattlesnakes, please. <laughs> You're going to have to sleep somewhere else, kid. Yeah, no joke. Ugh, That's not what I want to find under the house. I want to find buried treasure, yeah. not buried cats. Oh, like a big <laughs> bag of money. Oh, that would be great. Oh, my God. I like money. And then my final story... On the lands tonight. I said, I guess a woman's body was found dead in the back of a police van. And no one really understood what happened. Until they found a surveillance video of the lot that the van was in. This lady was just wandering around there. Looking into cars and sitting on hoods and stuff. Until she opened the back of the van and got in. Shut the door behind her. I mean, they transport inmates. Can't open it from the inside. That sucks. It sure does suck. Yeah. That does not seem like a good or a fun way to go. No. You kind of stay out of them uh, places that ain't yours. I, I see any sort of law enforcement vehicle, and get in is not the thought going through my no, head. That's not even, sure. oh, let's try it, see if it's locked. <laughs> like, no. no. No, just stay away. Do the walk Don't go on. in the parking lot either. Do the walk on by. Do the walk on by. That's what you gotta do. That is what you gotta do. Just walk on by. Hell, well, that's what we gotta do. So we've been bowling for a while now. Bowling after bowling. 
Bowl after bowl. But hey, thanks for hanging out with us back at the bowl, back in Missouri yet again. We made it. Oh, against all odds, we made it. We made it. Home sweet home, bowl sweet bowl. Well, we will of course see you at the same time next week in all the same usual places. And until then, I'll be Sir Spencer of Wolf of Kansas City. I've been Dame DeLorean. And as always, may your bowls burn ever brighter. With Spencer and Lorian. Lorian and Spencer. Uh, Lauren Rose. Lo- I think it's Lorene. Dame DeLorean. Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. The most beautiful young people you've ever seen. These people are sick. Woo!